want to go to there. Snipe! Saw the window and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes. Thirty Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's kind of flying, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, put hearts, keep us. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound Insights TV podcast. This is Kate Kolsick and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? How's your 2015 so far? Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess I may as well uh, tell you now because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dropping. It's not really that exciting to anyone who's not me, but um, it's exciting so I, to I'm, me. I, I'm it's not you. To you. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so I'm running a marathon on May 25th. Uh, and by running a marathon, I mean I'm signed up for a marathon, and if I don't run it, I'm going to look like a chicken shit asshole. Uh, so uh, I did my, <laughs> I did my, I I'm running four times a week, and uh, that happens to be the four days I'm at school, so I can use the school gym, and I'm not running outside where there's an inch of ice on the ground, and fuck that. Um, I'm I'm not that hardcore. So yeah, I did I only did three miles today, and it kicked my ass. So 26 miles is an interesting thought. Trust the system. You know, you have a training plan worked out. Just go with it. You know, make sure that you take your rest days seriously, which it sounds like you will because of Mother Nature being difficult in Ottawa. Uh, so, yeah, you'll be you'll be fine. But I'm very glad that because I've known about this for for a while, listeners, and have been able to share it. And I've been very excited to, you know, there's going to be an element of gen- genuine pride and an element of schadenfreude hearing how your training is going. <laughs> So when's your next marathon? Oh, no, that's hilarious. No. <laughs> All of the time I would spend getting ready for a marathon, I spend doing this podcast and writing for Sound On Sight. So, no. No, no, no. But I do have a shiny new Fitbit for Christmas, which I've been enjoying. And uh, I, I have been using, I would have been, I've been getting a lot more walking in. And I would have the last couple of days if it hadn't been like zero degrees out, which I know is not helpful for you, but it's been very cold the last couple of days, um, and that's been making that more challenging. But uh, so I'm, I'm getting more back into the fitness thing as well in my own way. Uh, are you enjoy? Have you set up yours yet? Because you got a Fitbit too. Uh, I have like a little dinky one. It's only really good as a pedometer, really. No, I, I don't have it set up yet. I'm not really concerned about the, the fitness benefits, weirdly enough. I'm more concerned about the ritualistic self-punishment. <laughs> no, but seriously, you should sign, get your account signed up, and then you can see you'll like feel super accomplished, because you'll get your steps like every single day that you have to run. You'll just be like, what? I'm awesome. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, th- these are the things that happen, apparently, when it's Christmas and New Year's uh, at- in Televerse Land. Of course, uh, we've had p- episodes the last two weeks, but we haven't checked in on any of the recent TV. Uh, so w- this will be – It's there's not been a lot of new TV, at least, that we watch. But we w- will still be checking in on everything from December 16th through January 5th or 6th. Uh, that's still only a handful of shows. Before we get there, we did get a little bit of feedback from you guys at the website and in the email. We heard from a bunch of you guys on Twitter, um, but we 
it's too many to go into. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. Thank you for dropping us a line. We always love hearing from you guys. At the website, we heard from JP, who says, thanks for another great episode, um, like always, about the smorgasbordgy. I wanted to chime in with a best-worst deployment of a pre-existing song. Not sure if it was the best or worst, but I remembered one that was the most haunting and eerie, and that goes out to Rick and Morty's use of Mazzy Star's Look On Down from the Bridge in Rick Potion Number 9. That musical moment was made all the more creepy, especially considering the context of the episode episode um would you for our listeners who aren't this isn't triggering their memory maybe they don't know the song uh what is the context uh i'm trying to remember exactly but i believe that's the episode in which uh we spend a lot of time in in a certain universe in which uh the world's been destroyed by uh basically uh alien rape mutants (laughs) i don't really know what else to call them and uh yeah that song comes in and it 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 is it's probably the most effective uh, moment of Dan Harmon style pathos humor that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I I don't, I have to look up the specifics for the episode, but they did have some, some nice music cues uh, in, in Rick and Morty this year. And I'm last year and I'm hoping that we'll get some more this year as well. Uh, We also heard from Carl who emailed us his, his shows as top 10 for 2014. He says, um, I don't know if these are ordered. So he just says, I heart these shows rectify enlisted the Americans Fargo orange is the new black review game of Thrones, Louis true detective and Vikings. Um, so that mostly tells me that I, maybe I should make time for Vikings again, because that's a fabulous list of shows that I enjoy and Vikings. <laughs> so I need to watch yeah. it. You know, yeah. Do you though? I mean, you you can try it by all means, but uh, I'm I'm just saying, keep keep your expectations measured. Well, I'm gonna go with Carl on this one for now, the eternal optimist Simon that I am. Uh, but but thank you, Carl, for emailing those in. If anybody else wants to share their their uh, picks for for 2014 or their categories and stuff, uh, like JP did, we always love to hear from you guys. We also. Love getting iTunes reviews. And we got one again. It's been like months. But we got one. And yes, this sound, it is this easy, guys. It really is this easy to to get me to be like, woohoo. So M. Morris in Philly gave us a five-star review. Says, I thoroughly enjoy this podcast. Kate and Simon have a unique approach to TV reviews. I like how far-reaching their interests are, which is, I think, his very nice, or her very nice way of saying, you guys watch a lot of shows. Uh (laughs) <laughs> too many probably um anyways they also it continues they review a wide range of shows not just the same old ones that you hear covered everywhere i appreciate the, your focus on music which is unusual and the end of your mega roundup was fantastic so hey that means at least like Someone three got people to got to the end yeah. and, we, and we know that beth got to the end because she, she let us know on twitter that she was jamming out to uh bye bye little sebastian at her right. at work she got the pen light out and was like rocking along and that was you know what closed the podcast so and that's like four guys it's four listeners our aim isn't so much to be like the best tv podcast because i don't know if that's gonna happen but we can at least be the most tv podcast we're going for the oscar you know most podcasting yes exactly <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much. It, uh, we'd always do appreciate it. Because, again, it's easy for 
us to forget that people are actually listening sometimes, which is, you know, super <laughs> encouraging because we spend so much of our time doing this. And and as is the norm for podcasting, we hear from comparatively few of you. So um, thank you so much. We do very much appreci appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review over in iTunes. But um, a, a few final things here before we go to our week in TV or our week's three weeks in TV. Um, at Sound on Sight, we have a monthly theme going in January about the synergy between video games and film, which there's some interesting stuff going up there, as well as there's going to be some TV articles related to that as well, at least a couple. And it's like, there's so many premieres. This week, instead of a DVD shelf, we have our mid-season premiere, our mid-season preview, uh, where we, we're going to talk about all the new shows that are coming up in the next uh, at least couple of months and a few others beyond that. Uh, some of them we've seen, some of them we, uh, many of them we haven't, but we give our thoughts on that. Uh, there's just a lot of TV coming up. There is. Do we, are we still allowed to call it mid-season? I don't know. I feel like a lot of people call it winter. That's maybe that's, but then it feels weird to call January winter. But I mean, at least in Chicago, we had snow before Halloween and then nothing until 2015. So maybe it is safe to say that January is now winter. I don't know. What do you think? I, I'm more th like, it, are there really seasons now? Like Netflix drops shit whenever they feel like it. Mm -hmm. Amazon drops things whenever they feel like it. Uh, you know, NBC, <laughs> I don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, it just seems like it's, it's pretty wackadoo these days. I do enjoy that just when the movie theaters kind of become a uh, a wasteland uh, of of burn off offerings uh, that's when the the tv landscape gets its most cluttered and all the prestige shows come back so you know it's cold guys D don't go to the movies just stay at home stay at home and watch tv yeah unless you're gonna see inherent vice in somewhere other than new york and la yes in which case i'm jealous of you um but uh Let's get into our week in TV. We're going to first talk some comedies and then we'll talk some genre and drama. Uh, and then after that, we'll have our, our mid-season or winter, whatever we want to call it, uh, preview. So uh, now we'll take a break and we'll come back to talk some comedy. Way back in the days of old, there was a legend told about a hero known as Galavan. There. there was no hero quite like Galavan. Tough, thus every other manly value. Let's with him, he'll this week in comedy, or I should say these weeks in comedy, we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, the bench finale, Colbert Reports finale, Bob's Burgers from this past week, Midday Run, and then the pilot to Gallivant, as well as the second episode, Joust Friends. But first, uh, I watched the selfie finale, and even before that, you watched Mozart in the Jungle season one. I did not watch Mozart in the Jungle season one because I watched the pilot and said, nope. Uh, that is not a Kate show, at least based on the pilot. Was I overcritical in my snap judgment, Simon? No. Um, I ended up watching the entire 10-episode run uh, partially because certain people uh, – I won't – no, I won't, won't name names. Friends of the show. Um, uh, friends of the show were uh, very 
uh, positive about the series, especially the second half, uh, specifically episode six and seven. Uh, and I, I shared the same apprehensions as you about the pilot. So I thought, Hey, most comedies have rough pilots. Most comedies take time to get better. Uh, and there's definitely some promise in the premise. Uh, and, and especially the setting. So I thought, I thought, sure, uh, I'll give it a crack. And there are some, there were some slight improvements over the first few episodes. Uh, more adults show up. Uh, you, you get more of a sense of the, uh, dynamic of the orchestra that that's great unfortunately they end up leaning on that very little and leaning a lot on rodrigo being wacky and rodrigo's wacky artist wife which no 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 please don't do that and leaning a lot on uh, romantic pairings that we don't care about and leaning a lot on played out jokes about new york and played out ideas about what it means to be artistic and, uh, you know, anyway, and things that we've seen done before better. And I think the main thing that frustrated me, besides the fact that most of the comedy wasn't funny and the drama wasn't affecting, uh, is the fact that there's, uh, I thought there was such a, a missed opportunity to make a show, uh, in this setting with these, uh, with these conflicts that maybe could have, oh, I don't know occasionally been a little bit about the music and I don't want to make going, going to the trap. <laughs> I don't want to get into the trap of, uh, of you know, trying to create a show that we're not watching or, you know, not reviewing the show you're watching, which is something that I do sometimes. But it just seems weird to have a show that's set in a world that so few of us know anything about and uh, then not get into depth on it at all. That just seems weird to beyond beyond some, you know, jokes about things percussionists do and things I've always do. And, oh, yeah, you've got a piccolo and a piccolo is like your dick. Anyway. Come on, we can do better than that, people. And uh, you can do better than that, Roman Coppola and all the other people involved, I hope, I would think. Uh, there's some a couple of episodes that sort of uh, have slightly higher ambition and do a little better. But overall, I was disappointed with the whole journey. And that didn't change by the time you get to the 10th episode. So, yeah, that was four and a half hours of my life. So, yeah, the selfie finale. Let's talk about that. Well, no, I, I'm going to just because I just I want to bask in this a little bit more because as you were describing it, I was just grinning and laughing to myself uh, because I just everything you're saying sounds terrible and like I would hate it. Uh, and it's very possible because, like I said, I haven't seen it. So who knows? Maybe I would love it. You wouldn't. There, No, no, there is no way. There's no way. Based on everything you're saying and the fact that a a different friend of the show who also really liked it linked to an article that he was saying about why they really liked it and the first thing in it was that it wasn't overly specific i was like dude hyper specificity is how these things work you you get really specific and that's what makes it be generally relatable if you're not willing to go specific why are you using a setting that so few people know about why aren't you it's not going to feel real or lived in uh, all the, the quotes I've heard from the different, like, violin jokes or percussionist jokes or guitar jokes, these are all jokes that any musician has heard by the time they're in sixth or seventh grade, and they stopped being funny then. They certainly aren't creative. Can I just add one thing? I have a theory that I like to trot out sometimes that um, there are very few bad actors. There's only bad casting. Um, I think that 99% of the time that's true. But sometimes you need to make an exception, and I'm sorry, but I've never seen any evidence that Saffron Burroughs can act. I just ha I just haven't. And it's been, like, several things now. 
I don't I don't know if she's just been terribly cast all the time, but no. Yep, and I just don't really even remember her from from the past. She's the cellist, right? Yes, the, she's the, the pretty cellist. She's the cellist that they did a bad job. They tried though of having her fake cello, but yeah, that's this is not a show for for me. And I know a lot of people do really like it, like we've said, and people whose opinions we respect and and normally trust and line up with. But uh, I'm glad you guys have enjoyed it. I'm not gonna check it out. I I'm, I am glad, however, that I checked out the selfie finale. I woke up like this, and I I really like that this finale instead of what everybody pretty much expects of having uh, Henry and Eliza get together in the finale, especially because they don't know if they're necessarily getting a season two. They don't do that. Instead, they focus on Eliza's relationship with herself, her self-esteem and her, her past as most, but that, you know, they talked about in the, the pilot and that's sort of been her trajectory over the course of the season is getting to have a stronger sense of herself and, changing herself and what should, parts of herself should she change and what parts of herself does she just need to realize are not a problem. So I I love that they really centered this finale around her coming to terms with there's no problem with her. You know, like she's, that is who she was in junior high or high school or whatever. And she's come, you know, a long way since then. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. And she should maybe stop obsessing so much and trying to be all these other people and just be herself, which is such a simplistic, uh, such like a platitude of a main argument or, or central point. But they they do it really well. And to have a show that essentially has become very much a will they won't they rom-com, not center on that in its finale, but in center, instead center on uh, self-actualization is really surprising and delightful. I kind of wish I had gotten to see what season two would look like with an, an Eliza trying to just be herself and not strive for these ridiculous extremes that she set up for herself while Henry is trying to get himself, uh, is, is now looking forward to, you know, when, when the opportunity arises, uh, pursuing Eliza, which is something that apparently happened. Apparently she went after him during part of the show. I didn't watch. So I might need to go back and watch those episodes, but, um, but no, so I, I like the way that the, the, the finale came together. I think people should seek it out. If you were at all interested in selfie, you'll like the finale. What what do you think of that uh, idea for a finale? Uh, that sounds great. I never did check back in on selfie. I believe everyone who, although apparently I should just stop believing people because <laughs> that's, that's how I got into Mozart of the Juggle. I, you're all probably right. And I was probably wrong to be dismissive. Uh, I'm I'm generally wrong. So well, I mean, and I'm more a rom com person, so of course that's going to be catnip to me, as well as just really enjoying those cast members. Uh, the fact that I was able to get over the lack of Karen Gillan's actual accent by the finale is is a statement in uh, support of the show. So well done, the show, and I look forward to their next each of their next ventures. Yeah, although I I feel like between You're the Worst Season 2 and whatever what might happen with Man Seeking Woman, this might end up being a good year for rom-com TV. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Um, next up is Benched, which had its finale Brief Encounters last year as well, like on the 30th, I want to say. And uh, that was another rom-com finale. Uh, I And yes. I got to say, I liked most of it, but that ending was stupid. It was a stupid ending. Uh I feel strongly about this. Apparently, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, the 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 aspect of the whole thing that I found strange was the idea that the slip of paper was important for some reason. 
Yeah. Like, why? It's not a legally binding document. They don't have to get married now just because she submitted a form. It's 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 just a form. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see Yvette Nicole Brown. That was great. Yeah. Uh, very unexpected uh, appearance there. Unusually thorny. But, uh, yeah, that was a contrivance I didn't really need. I was also rather annoyed by the fact that apparently she had to be the one to do the form. They didn't have to both do forms. It's not like he said, I already turned my form in. So why is she the one doing the form, first of all? Um, There's some unfun sexism there as far as I'm concerned about, you know, Well, people really not care about men's relationship. Yeah, she has to do the form because she's the protagonist. Well, there's that, I suppose, but I don't know. Even just the throwaway line about that where she says, I'll do the form because she wants to think about it more, that would have... These are the things that I'm thinking about when I should be thinking about shipping for this finale. Um, The thing that was annoying to me is that the fact that, like, he... The Jay Harrington character, like, storms out, and she, you know, she's like, let me just... instead Instead of just all the back and forth stupidness, just say, yeah, I I broke up with him when you asked me out. Problem solved. Problem solved. This is ridiculous and stupid. One sentence while he's standing there is enough time to resolve this. And if it's not, then he's an idiot, asshole, and you should go out with him anyways. Yeah. See, this is why when it comes to Benst, I prefer, frankly, the workplace humor. It's an unusually good workplace comedy, uh, mostly because it has a workplace that we don't often see in straight up Mm -hmm. comedic format. And and it has certain... uh, specificity aspects that really work like did you happen to see the episode where they have to insert uh certain words in their arguments <laughs> no i have not seen that one i will have to seek it out um yeah that 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 sounds like all the some of the fun details we enjoy on the good wife yeah exactly uh but except you know deliberately hilarious or more broadly hilarious uh, that stuff really worked. The rom-commy aspects, I think, were really hit and miss. Uh, you know, she and uh, Jay Harrington and Eliza Coop, I think, have really fun chemistry. But uh, I don't know if they needed to really orient the show so much around it. That being said, I still hope it gets a season two and a chance to uh, blossom a little bit more. And I will say, having n- watched it recently, oh, God, you're not wrong about that opening. You are not. <laughs> hey, yeah, or whatever it is. That is... That is stupid and annoying. It, it's only like seven seconds long, but it's it's cringe-inducing every time. But when if you're going to marathon, though, oof. Yeah. Yeah, but you were not kidding. Um, next up, we'll talk a little bit here about the Colbert Report finale. Uh, you uh, you tuned in for this, yes? I did. And what did you think? How did, the, how did it work as a finale? I mean, this is a very self-aware final episode. Yeah, it is. Um... <laughs> I mean, mostly I'm I'm more concerned about the future and trying to figure out what it is that Stephen Colbert is going to do when he's not being Stephen Colbert, the character, uh, and just transitions to late night and what that's going to look like. Is he going to get to preserve any of his character? Because I, I was reading uh, an op-ed about how late night hosts need to be uh, politically neutral at best most of the time if they're going to preserve the sort of broad audience that the Letterman sorts have. So I'll be curious to see if he uh, is going to play ball in that sense. So I'm I, that's what I spend more of my time thinking about uh, than sort of the legacy of the Colbert Report itself, which doesn't have a legacy. Uh, I guess we'll find out when Larry Wilmore happens. But uh, the finale itself, I thought was fine. Um, the sing-along was fun, but interminable, as I suppose it was always going to be. 
I didn't really need a reminder of the show's buddy buddy relationships with Henry with Henry Kissinger because that's never not creepy to me. But uh, beyond that, it was good good fun. I thought "We'll Meet Again" was an excellent choice uh, of song. I wasn't surprised that they wanted to do a song, um, but with you know because it's so there the fact that he's leaving the show to do a different show you know so uh, that was an excellent choice i thought it was fun the way they pulled it out it was weird though to go back and forth from what was clearly filmed earlier also dudes you're going on a show's finale learn the words learn the words there's not that many (laughs) of them and then the number like it was hilarious to watch like the like well and somebody kept standing in front of yo-yo ma i want to be like dude he's short come on don't stand in front of him. Um, but yeah, the, the which of the musicians knew the words? Like, wasn't Franco there? And he just like did not. He gave zero shits. He had he had it's like we'll meet something. What is it? Oh, it's again. I'm not gonna remember that. You know, like come on. There's no way there weren't cue cards up there. It's not a hard song. Learn the words. Well, no, but also clearly at least three quarters of the audience was half in the bag. Well, there's probably that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was fun to see which, like, when they would pan across to, like, you know, like Michael Stipe knows all the words. <laughs> no words, no words, no words, all the words, no words, no words, all the words. You know, it was like Mandy Patinkin, all the words. You know, like, when they got to the different, you know, more musically inclined people who also gave a shit, uh, more words as well. Brian Williams, all the words. You know, like, it was funny seeing who actually cared enough to pick up, you know, and spend 20 minutes with the song not even that probably um the grimy thing was fun i liked alex trebek popping up at the end it did kind of go on a bit that after the post song section um i liked grimy and their game that was nice uh but that's about all i all i got it was a nice final kind of moment i think for the show and just to just not even try to do a regular show because you're not gonna be able to do a regular show of the colbert rapport when it's your last episode so i thought it was fun no, but I like that they threw in a couple regular segments just to at least pretend it was business as usual. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, let's move on to our our first episode that actually aired this week, and that's Bob's Burgers Midday Run. I'm assuming that's all of the, the uh, Midnight Run references throughout. I liked uh, Chinese Finger Trap. It was pretty great. Uh, Bob's uh, struggle to be an artiste, also uh, delightful. What did you think of this episode? Uh, it was fun and hilarious uh, all the way through. I'll never understand a certain generation's fascination with Midnight Run, but that didn't stop the episode from being uh, hilarious and touching. And I, I really liked Zeke's uh, little little uh, mascot dance at the end. That was quite delightful. And hey, they've stopped doing uh, obnoxious musical montages. Isn't that great? That is great. That is absolutely delightful as far as I'm concerned. I did very much enjoy uh, how... how f- for uh how foregrounded was his regular size randy mm-hmm. yeah was in this episode uh that he was delightful and that the arc of that really worked as well as the um the the legend of the um infinite hall pass was pretty great so yeah, this, was, this was a fun entry for bobs mm-hmm. yeah and, lot, and I, I love the detail of the uh the hall monitor ranking system yeah the manatee and <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Um, any final thoughts on Bob's or shall we move on to our last comedy of the week, Gallivant? Uh, let's do that because you watched a bunch of it. I did. We're going to talk more about Gallivant when we get to our season, uh, mid-season uh, preview. But for this week, because I don't I want to keep it spoiler free for those who don't want to know anything about what's to come or what I think about it. Um, I really liked the pilot. We got to see the pilot back in the fall for this. Um, and I also I have my review of the first six episodes over at the AV Club if you want to read that. But uh, these two episodes, Pilot and Joust Friends, I thought Joust Friends was fun. Uh, quite a waste of Stamos. I like the anticlimax of them not actually fighting. But it was just, you know, it was a bit... It was a bit too anticlimax, I think. They didn't use Stamos hardly at all, considering. And that's... that's if he's your, your big guest star, do something with him. The songs are super forgettable in the second episode, and uh, that's, I for me, a bit of a recurring problem um, in as the show continues. But for the first episode, which you have seen, I thought the the particularly the opening and closing song for that pilot is super catchy. I have it memorized. I have had it memorized since the fall. I've watched that pilot like at least eight times, probably. Um, and I like the middle song as well. Uh, so I, I think it's a solid pilot. Yeah. So I watched the pilot. Um, no, <laughs> it's, it's not for me. Uh, the idea that it gets worse is not appealing because, uh, yeah, I love the princess bride. Princess Bride is a great movie. Uh, the Princess Bride is also beautifully written and performed by all involved and just really uh, through conceived in a yeah, in a really methodical way. Uh, whereas this just it didn't feel like that to me. Uh, and yeah, the 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 idea of of getting on board with a less good version of of that is just, no. That's, <laughs> that is not a thing I need in my life. That is. I, I think I would just die of mortification if anyone, if if I ever, A, watched it again, B, if anyone ever saw me watching it again. See, but that opening, like, way back in days of old, it's a, it's a good opening song. It should, there's no reason it shouldn't work better than it does. And the pilot sets up very clear stakes and momentum, and there's a twist to come, and there's interesting characters, there's people to like, I mean... There's potential in that pilot, and then you get to the second episode, and you realize that this is no, this is gonna be an episodic show. This is a procedural until they get there. It's like so, like they spend about half the time with the 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 heroes and half the time with the villains, probably because they realize Timothy Omenson is the best thing about the show because he's just like perfectly suited for the kind of thing they're trying to do. Um, he can really pull off gravitas. He can also really pull off the ridiculousness, and he does a good job in that uh, King Richard role. Um, not a good enough singer, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think he's a good singer, but not to carry, you know, to be the the best part of a musical. I think you need to be a little stronger than he, at least he is in his song in the pilot. But um, but you can make up for a lot of that with charisma um, if the writing's a little better. If the show is a little bit more interested in the characters and uh, if if the whole thing builds instead of just being and now we go to the next part of their adventure and we have wacky hijinks for 20 minutes and then wacky hijinks for 20 minutes. I'm just confused by the notion of a musical procedural. Like, did we learn nothing from Cop Rock? By the way, did you know that Cop Rock was an hour long show? Yes, I did. I did not. I just assumed you're going to make a show called Cop Rock. Of course, it's a half-hour comedy, right? No. 
It was no, a it's drama. An hour long drama. Yeah, how did you not know that? There is a there's an um, can I just send you to YouTube because there is an incredible uh promo which is a dual promo for season 2 of Twin Peaks and season 1 of Cop Rock. Wow. I need to watch like that. Like a fe- like a featurette. Yeah, you need to get on YouTube right fucking now. <laughs> I'm also going to take this moment to say I would really really like to watch Viva Blackpool. Um, so if, you know, if any of our friends of the show, uh, are listening and want to, you know, you know, send us an email and say, Hey, I'll totally come on fellow podcaster critic to talk about this show. Cause like there are our musicals out there that I think are really interesting that I haven't seen yet. The TV show musicals. Um, and, and so there's, there's reasons that, you know, this should be absolutely my wheelhouse. I love the Princess Bride half since I was about five. I've started watching Into the Wood. I've had that show down completely, like memorized since I was like eight or ten. Um, so this should be right in my wheelhouse, and I really like the cast as well. You know, Mencken and everything, and it just. It really, I think it's so disappointing because the pilot, I think, really does the urgency well, does the energy well, and then it all just kind of slows down. Wasn't that show called Viva Lachlan? Viva, you mean Viva Laughlin? The American yeah. remake? Oh, I it was, know it's it was a, a British show. Uh... Oh yeah, it's a British show with David Tennant and as the as a cop and uh, David Morrissey as like the the guy who runs the town, kind of bad baddie. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he, the Tennant gets sent there to like clean up the town. And, and it's supposed to be actually good. I've heard good things. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how good it is or not, but I've I've heard um, some people really like it. I haven't really heard anybody bash it, so I have a feeling like the worst thing that I would probably hear about it would just be that, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's not really for me. But they sing like pop songs and stuff. Huh. Yeah. So is it like Moulin Rouge, but not totally insufferable? Uh, I don't know because I haven't seen it because I haven't been forced to set the time aside. So oh, any of our fellow critics and podcasters out there let, let us know if you if you are like you need to see some david Tennant singing in your life and want to come on to talk about viva blackpool but uh th- this is i'm digressing here we've gotten <laughs> sidetracked what wins your week in comedy sir i'll give it to bob's i mean i would like to give it to colbert but i didn't laugh that much it was sweet but i'll still give it to bob's um i will give it to the gallivant pilot but not Joust Friends. And after that, I guess probably the selfie finale. Um, so, you know, I'm a sucker for that stuff. So uh, Bob's was also a lot of fun. But uh, but yeah, I'll give it to the Gallivant Pilot because I still do have that opening theme memorized. Okay, now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in genre and drama.
our weekend genre and drama again really multiple weeks uh i'll talk briefly about the legend of Korra finale uh and the doctor who christmas special we'll both talk about the black mirror christmas special and then the affair finale and we'll end with the good wife like we so often do that's hail mary so first of all the legend of Korra finale the last stand uh was a double episode and was was a good uh finale i would say my trouble with this episode or these episodes is that i never really bought into kavira and so when Kavira beat Korra in a fight, I just didn't really believe it. I was like, okay, but okay, but when is real Korra showing up? Because real Korra should be mopping the floor with Kavira. Because we've shown that Kavira is is a baddie, but we've not. She never defeated anyone really. And maybe I'm forgetting something, but she never really defeated anyone before she went up against Korra, and so and Korra was also off her game. So it's not like we saw her like, no, oh man, she's pretty hardcore. Oh, she even beat Korra. It was just sort of now Korra loses because the plot requires her to. Um, so so as the whole finale was just sort of, I didn't feel like it had really been earned or built to in a, in a meaningful enough way for me. That being said, the action scenes were pretty good. Most of, I didn't really buy the emotional payoff for Asami's dad. That felt very convenient. I did like the last moments we got with Boleyn and Mako. Um, I Do we want to talk at all about the tizzy that the internet went into with the ending? Um, I mean, it seems like that was mostly positive. There were a few, there was a little bit of, you know, mm-hmm. douchery, but... Uh, as soon as the creators were like, yeah, this is canon. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that that pretty much silenced Which everything. Is, like the best reaction I, you know, I could say. Um, yeah. So what happens at the very end is that a, the, the Korra and Asami who at this point have been had a close, uh, but platonic friendship is what has been on screen though. There's plenty of glances or hugs if you you know want to see it um there's a strong percentage of the fan base that were korasami uh, f- uh shippers and that gets confirmed at the end they go off uh they like gaze lovingly into each other's hand into each other's eyes grab hands and go off into the spirit world together so it's like they're together now guys they're in love and they're together um for me it just kind of comes out of nowhere because in this season, there hasn't been a lot of Korra and Asami together because Korra's been by herself for a lot of the season. But it's not like they didn't. It came out of nowhere because obviously a big percentage of the fan base is on board. So um, that was more. It was like there was not no really undercurrents of emotional stuff for Korra. It was all about her personal journey of acceptance with herself um, after this poisoning that happened last season. Um, so it didn't land for me the way I would have liked for it to have landed but that being said hey it's great to have a queer superhero out there and because basically that's what Korra is and she's badass and uh that why why not right why not have a lovely beautiful ending uh to the show is very visually and orally um striking the score was beautiful um and that's a lovely way to go out and you know Anybody's got a problem with it. If you're going to argue something other than I think they could have done a better job building to it. And I really wish Nickelodeon would have let them kiss, you know, 
other than that, I don't think any arguments are particularly valid. So um, it's like it wasn't even on television. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, oh no, this website we chose to go to to watch this thing. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but on the whole, I'm glad I watched Legend of Korra, even if this last season was a bit of a disappointment for me. Do you think you'll catch up with Legend of Korra at some point, or is this gonna be just the next time Sean comes on for DVD shelf? Uh, I think it was going to need your uh, ringing Zomg endorsement. And since I don't have that, mm. I'll probably just let it sit on the shelf. Fair enough. I will say ringing Zomg endorsement, though, for Avatar, The Last Airbender, um, and parts of Korra, if not the whole. So, uh, yeah, it's both shows are certainly uh, – there's a lot of merit to them. There's a lot of really great stuff that they do. Um, I look forward to eventually doing a DVD shelf about that. Uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special last Christmas has some really nice moments. It, the, the villains – the it's a cross between aliens, the aliens face huggers, which they do sh- reference at least, and then the thing that Moffat loves to do with all of his bad guys where you can't look at them or just you have to not see them or – He's done this so many times. That being said, I did really like the performances. Capaldi is very good. Um, uh, Jenna Coleman is good. I'm glad that she's going to be back. Um, and having Nick Frost play Santa Claus is just delightful. He's so good. He's so much fun in this episode. Uh, what are your thoughts on Nick Frost as an actor? I love Nick Frost. Not enough to make me want to watch a Doctor Who Christmas special, but I like Nick Frost. I mean, isn't he just like a great choice to play Santa, like the big white beard? He is. I mean, come on. It's great. Um, I didn't know that I was missing that from my holiday special life until I saw it and said, oh, yeah, that is delightful casting. Um, The way that 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 element of the show plays out is really great. I like the Doctor's just just rage that Santa is going to start doing the scientific explanation. Um, the mythical creatures not allowed to do the science, uh, which is pretty delightful. And uh, it was a bit convoluted for my taste and they went, they, it was a bit long. I think there was a lot you could have cut out, but on the whole it was fun. And uh, I kind of wish, you know, that the Clara and the shop girl could have gone out for some coffee. It would have been nice, a nice little tag, but um, oh well. She looks like the shop girl looks like she needs a friend. We'll see. Maybe she'll they'll bring her back in passing. Um, but on the whole, it's definitely not their best, but certainly far from their worst uh, with Doctor Who Christmas specials. What did you think about the Black Mirror Christmas special? White Christmas. White Christmas. Uh, it was it was very confusing to read descriptions of this in advance. Like it's so it's three stories, but it's one episode, and it's ninety minutes long. But there's also a framing device that's like another story. And as I, I just stopped trying to figure it out for it until I just started watching it. When you watch it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought, I think, I think the formatting of the episode is the most fun part of it. Uh, as fun as it is to get John Hamm in the mix, and he, he's very game. Um, I like the idea of a multi story, single episode Black Mirror, this idea of sort of more focused stories that then build up to a whole. It's a very ambitious episode. Uh, and I don't think it hits all the marks. I think some of the mini segments are more uh, more effective than others. Uh, some of the ideas are very convoluted and just like needlessly sadistic in a way that like this, even in an, an even in a more sadistic Charlie Brookerian alternate universe, it's very difficult to justify this level of sadism. Um, like the whole idea of we're going to copy your consciousness so you can have a tiny slave helper that is completely aware of what's going on. It's like, it's evocative, but it's also stupid. <laughs> and is is she aware? 
that this is what she's done, what she's ordered for herself, or does she not know that the her cookie is self-aware? Uh, it it seems. I mean, if you're going to go with the with the worldview of the show, yeah, you have to assume that she's aware. That's I suppose so. Um, I do think they do a good job of setting up the reveal well with that, without uh, foregrounding that part of it too much. Um, other parts of the the air quotes twist are very obvious but i think it mostly works yeah i think that black mirror is a show that works a lot better when you don't scrutinize the individual ideas too much and you just sort of uh enjoy how unsettling some of the 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 visuals and the uh uh and sort of the, the sort of more uh almost horror-y elements are sort of like like twilight uh, like twilight zone type of horror of like what if guys what if <laughs> and like some of those things can really work and like the the notion of blocking someone um in in the sense that you would block them on facebook it got to silly extremes by the end of the episode yeah um but i think early on it's actually really effective yeah i think that that it's a, i prefer this version of the grain basically it, it feels like very much exploring that same idea in a different way and i thought that that did work uh, i liked the cast they brought in john ham Certainly, but even just like Natalia Tena was really nice uh, in her supporting role. Una Chaplin is very good in her supporting role. So I, you know, there's there's a lot of you know things to enjoy here, even outside of the the ideas that it's throwing around in a very Black Mirror kind of way. Yeah, I think that of the of the mini segments, the um, the one with uh, with John Hamm doing his day job, I think was probably the most the best developed. Uh, sorry, not his day job, but his side job. Uh, as a as a dating like a creepy video dating helper guy uh that was really good yeah i also like when they reveal that he is married with a kid too that was yes yeah and the way they do that and the wife's reaction too is all very entertaining so you know it was certainly fun it was one of their better stories i would say it was very engaging for me as i was watching it so i totally get why people really enjoyed it and uh certainly for i, I always appreciate a christmas special that doesn't feel the need to be because in the UK Christmas specials are such a thing, um, there seems to be this uh, consensus that, oh, it's a Christmas special. It doesn't actually have to be good. And that's mm-hmm. annoying to me because I want my Christmas specials to be Christmassy and good. I know what, what can, I'm being ridiculous here. Um, so yeah. I like that it was Christmassy, but also fitting with the show and also not painfully self-aware. Yeah, and not overbearingly Christmassy at all. Like, it was subtly Christmassy by TV Christmas special standards. Mm-hmm, certainly. Any other thoughts on Black Mirror, or is it time for the affair? Uh, other than that people are still overrating the hell out of it, no. Uh, let's get to the affair. Uh... Speaking of, how did we <laughs> feel about this, you know, finale? Uh, 10 is the name of the episode. I knew I had heard certain things about it, like I knew to lower my expectations or my level of respect for the more tyranny character and how that was res- uh, that separation resolves itself in the most the the just the most male fantasy possible ways of, you know, levels of male fantasy. Uh, I, I did not know about the ending or some of the the gun violence twist thingies. Um <laughs> But really, it was just, I wasn't, like, my overall thoughts on the series were kind of, you know, what we talked about uh, towards the end of the season pretty much held true for me in this finale, and it did not escape homework viewing. Uh, I mean, I think it gets worse in this finale, The, but I was mostly on board for the first, let's say, 50 minutes. 
Um, I didn't have that much of an issue with the more tyranny stuff, to be honest. Uh, I didn't, based on you know their some of the some past scenes we've got with them, the notion of her just being like want, just wanting to bury the hatchet and like maybe find a new way forward. Like the show's done way more offensive stuff than that, to be honest. I I, I didn't think that was that that big a deal. If it was just that, that's one thing. But it's not just that. It's also oh, he so he so he spends all his off time just having sex with all of these ridiculously attractive people that just look at him and are like, yes, let's have sex now. Obviously, because you are Dominic West, sex god. Clearly, <laughs> you know, like and then and then his wife is like, I know you've been busy having sex with all of the people, um, but I just miss you so much, baby. Won't you come back? Like, that's it. And it happens in like the span of, like, five minutes, not even. Well, I, I think what helps is um, I actually really like that opening montage of uh, of Dominic West having sex with all the people because within about, I think he has sex with maybe two women or three women. And by the third one, his dick's already gotten him in trouble and basically destroyed his teaching career. <laughs> Which oh. I loved that. Yeah, but that just let, allows him to reach his greatest potential ever. So yeah, fucking that around... was a, that that was a bummer. But yeah. until that happens, that was still pretty great. It's just um, so like macho bullshit male fan alpha male fantasy ridiculous that you know it's like and only good things happen <laughs> to, to Dominic West after he does all of these destructive things. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought that the detail of you know when you when you fuck up as a teacher, you get sent to basically detention and you yeah. can't leave. Like that was actually a really that's the sort of specificity that we like to see in our shows. It is, and that aspect was great. Also, infinite jest. That was nice. Yes, and nice infinite moment. jest. Lots of infinite jest jokes this season. Um. Anyway, lots of good stuff in the in in those scenes up until we get to the last sequence. Like we're gonna get there. Uh, Whitney uh, gets the best line of I think the entire year, uh, when she talks about how. But my dad's so old, and your and your husband is so hot. <laughs> Could she not have been a point of view character at least once? Oh my god! Right? How wonderful would that have been? Now is she officially Whitney to you, or st or she's still Sasha? Uh, I don't know. They're, both characters are actually pretty great, to be honest. And this is what's frustrating about the affair is that there actually are like maybe a half dozen really interesting characters. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. we never get their episodes. And if they if they seriously announced next season that they were going to be doing a bunch of different POVs, I, my interest level would shoot up like a lot. And that's what's frustrating about the show is that there yeah. is so much promise. Well, and and the end of episode or end of season sort of, oh, and now he's being arrested. It's like, I really don't care at all that he's being. It's like, we're dragging this out another season? Yeah. Well, and I know it's an obvious criticism and everyone's brought it up, but it holds true. Like the differences between Allison and Noah's take on that climactic sequence, like, okay, the only way that makes sense is if, it's not memory is if it's their accounts to someone, but that's not apparently what's happening because we would see them telling the story to someone and we don't. Um, also the fact that we get a sequence that neither of them are in, but is explicitly in like midway through the Allison half is like, Oh, this hurts my brain in ways that were not intended. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm with you there. Like, like why would you not just stick that scene between the two halves? That would be interesting. Because it's like, oh, we were getting a scene of objective truth. That's hmm. like that's an, that's something they could have been playing with all season. Look, I just improved your show, people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> send me your money. 
I feel like we should move on to our last show of the week, though, because uh, I'm very curious what you think about The Good Wife. I, I did read your review over at Sound On Sight. This is Hail Mary, one of their two episodes before uh, another hiatus. But um, there was a lot of squeeing on Twitter, not as much as if it, it had been a slightly different end of episode. And there was also some puzzled looks and bafflement from yourself, a friend of the show, Libby Hill, some others as well as to the end of the episode. Shall we start there or shall we end there? I guess we may as well start there. The more I think about it, the more I guess I'm sort of okay with it if it's basically the good wife version of a sexy joke, which I guess it is, but I still think it's weird. Well, I think, you know, like, first of all, for me, the scene played it well. Like, I totally bought it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, we should never do that. But I think we've seen her growing more confident and not reckless because she's she'll never I don't think she'll you know, this is the most reckless we've seen her probably ever. Um, But she just felt really good for a moment. She, and, and a lot of your review keyed into this a lot of the other reviews i've seen have keyed into this she's like almost never genuinely like happy or joyous and she was in a joyous moment and uh and then uh she's like you know what fuck it i'm gonna kiss i'm gonna kiss this guy because why not because i'm gonna and that does obviously don't do that people in realsies it's not okay <laughs> that is sexual assaults however in this moment i think it's gonna be okay you know, I'm not worried about recidivism, shall we say, uh, from this front. I think it's more of a statement on her feeling of power and exhilaration in the moment. And it's more of a statement towards where I think she'll be heading than anything yeah. else. It's just what do you weird. Think? It's mostly weird because it's Stephen Pasquale. Well, it would be total. If it was Finn, she would have grabbed him and pulled him into a car somewhere. Which would have been awesome. Come on. <laughs> but it would have also made that moment when it happens. I'm sure eventually it will probably unless. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Uh, it would may have made that about Carrie and not about them, which would have been, you know, something different. But uh, I don't know if that's true, but I don't know. If they never bang, the earth is going to crack in two <laughs> from all the sexual frustration, <laughs> both in the fan base and on the show. Uh, but I guess we should talk about some other stuff. So want to talk about Peter and her kicking his ass? That was great. And it was it was very frustrating when he like cut it short. Um <laughs> I mean, I, I will say I was disappointed by the use of, of Chris Elliott. I thought they could have done a lot more with him. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I, I always feel bad when like, oh yeah, I, I, I have my own show. I'm a lead on it. No one watches it, but I have my own show. And then, and then they get brought in for like a very stereotypical cameo. And he was promising at first, but then when he starts giggling, it's like, oh, mm. that's what they're doing with him. That's disappointing. On the other hand. Uh, I really liked Dominic Lombard. Lombardi. Lombard. Yes. Yeah, from that the wire. guy. From The Wire. Herc from The Wire. I loved him in this episode. I, th I thought he was great, and it was very confusing to see that other people did not feel this way. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. I do, I mean, I don't disagree with the uh, people talk saying, so basically JC should watch the first season of Orange is the New Black, and that'll tell him everything that this specialist told him. Because it wasn't like it was particularly, you know, again, specificity, there wasn't something that isn't something we've heard before. I guess, but I think that, uh, I don't know, there were, there was a lot about that that I thought worked, and, um, I don't know, a, a lot of people had, di had difficulty with the more broad aspects of, like, more talking, less, no, more sex, less talking, etc., or, like, I'm going to call five hookers now. Like, I don't know, that stuff worked for me. 
Well, you mentioned your review. I also like this. I like this. He's like, hey, I like this guy. This poor guy. He's just, he's a pretty boy. He's going to have a hard time. You know, let's, let's. Let's give him some memories. Come on. Yeah. And uh, I, I will say that Matsukri did a fantastic job in this episode. He just looks like shit. Like at the at the three quarter mark when he's just like realizing and he's thinking about running twenty fifth hour style. I wouldn't have minded if they ripped off that montage and had him run away with Kalinda and everyone's dressed in white. But um uh yeah, another great scene with Kalinda and, and Mike Coulter. Uh I hope that they can still keep him around uh after, you know, that happens. But uh, I will say that the the way in which uh, the case against Carrie fell apart and the way in which Kalinda was implicated uh, felt very tidy to me. Well, considering what we know about actors' availability and when they will be leaving the show, uh, I would agree. If I didn't know that, then I would be more intrigued. Uh, I, I like this idea that this presents another way she could leave the show other than her what looks to me at least like eventual like it has to happen break with bishop um so so i'm not sure if it's gonna be i'm sorry i don't know your name from the sopranos you were very good in this um that brings her down or if it's gonna be this thing with bishop or if it's gonna be her deciding she's tired of calling bishop sir you know john ventimiglia or whatever it is yes him yes the guy from Artie Artie we love Artie um yeah so so there was a lot to really enjoy there I I am very much hoping that there are long-term consequences for Diane and Alicia uh from Judge David Pamer yes uh well I I would think that there would have to be if only because it'll give Diane something to do which Which would be nice desperately missing (laughs) do we have any other thoughts on, on the episode then um Sarah Steele still fun Sarah Steele, uh, very funny. I'm not your fluffer. Um, one episode left before the proper hiatus. It's a King's episode. It should be a biggin. Uh, but it feels like every episode is a biggin now, so I guess I'll stop talking. Well, it's a debate, so I like a nice debate. Fingers crossed that it can deliver like so many debate episodes have in the past. Um, but yeah, uh, this one again what wins the week in genre and drama for me it's still uh you know what i will say honorable mention to black mirror but i'm still gonna give it to the good wife yeah i'm I'm gonna do the same as much as i had some niggling issues with the episode come on it had so much good stuff it had so much good stuff um now we're going to take a break and come back with our mid-season preview or winter or stuff that's gonna air or debut between january and like march so we'll be right back after this. What is this feeling that's put you in your place? A hot red burning on the side of your face. You feel the blood rush to your cheek. Tears start to fill your eyes. Everybody laughed and clapped, it was awesome, 
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kozlik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And it's time for our 2015 midseason preview because 2015 is going to be crazy. Uh, though, in our research for this, we found maybe not as crazy as we thought. Well, definitely it seems like there isn't the ridiculous bumper crop of new things that we got last year. I feel like that's like there is new stuff, but to be honest, as seasoned TV watchers, we looked at it and we're like, ha ha, you look dumb a lot. <laughs> well, and I'm sure we'll be surprised because as I've talked about plenty, I was not excited for um uh for Hannibal. I was dreading that. I thought that'd be terrible. I thought that um Transparent wasn't very interesting after watching the pilot. So you, you never know. And I look forward to being surprised by a few things. Um, we had some on our top 10 this year that, that came out of nowhere, certainly our top 20. So that is probably going to happen. But it just, it seems a little bit more manageable than it felt like it was going to be before I actually sat down and looked at the, the list. So the way we're, exactly. Yeah. The way we're going to do this, and, um, and by the way, if we don't, if there's a show you're looking forward to, gentle listeners, that we don't mention here that's, that's premiering in the next few months, please let us know because it's very possible that it's just flying under our radar. And we always look forward to hearing about some of these other shows that are not being covered on the main sites or not, you know, nobody told us to look out for Over the Garden Wall, and we would have loved to have known to do that. So, you know, if there's anything that's uh, an international production or um, a, a smaller series that we don't mention, um, it's not because we chose not to, if it's a new show, that's, I should say. Um, but the way we're going to do this, this is a curated list. This is not every mid-season premiere or series premiere. This is just the ones that seem like they fit with the shows we usually cover. Um, for, uh, that's for returning shows, and it's all the new network stuff and all the new um, cable channels that we tend to care about stuff. So we're going to skip yes. E, we're going to skip Bravo reality shows, we're going to skip Spike reality shows, we're going to skip, um, like, the Royals on E. I don't I don't care that it's premiering. Maybe someone will correct me. Do you care that the Royals is premiering on E? Uh, no, no. No, I don't, no. I don't think there's been a... This is actually... This is the first time, this year is the first time there is a royal family-related series that I actually do care about. And there's been a lot. What is this? That's, well, we'll get there. We'll get there? Okay. Well, let's kick things off with a show that already premiered that we had never heard about that uh, is on FXX that I just wanted to mention. Premiering on January 1st this year, Stone Quackers, an animated series airing at midnight on FXX. Simon, what is Stone Quackers? Uh, it's, it's an animated show about ducks and, and, and John C. Riley's in it. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, FXX, if you want to send us some stone quackers, we'll watch it. We, we will watch whatever they send us because FXX does send us stuff. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, um, as we go on here. Uh, but they did not send us this. So I don't, I don't know what to think. FXX. Are you standing behind the show or not? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just maybe they're they're just hoping for the stoners at midnight, and they don't care what critics think, probably or anyone or anyone. So next up is uh, Sunday, January fourth. We already talked about some of these. Uh, Boss Burgers comes back. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine comes back. Down Abbey has its fifth season premiere. Um, How do you feel about Down Abbey season five? Are you just like waiting with bated breath? Are you going to even follow the recaps? 
I only follow uh, recaps of Downton Abbey when I hear about people getting angry, which I don't think is going to happen this year because it seems like people care a lot less. Um, like the the degree to which people were in a tizzy over that show like two years ago seems like such a distant past now, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, I I have not watched it since our Spotlight of Shame back in season three. I want to say uh, that might even have been season two. As I think I, it was season two. I felt I feel so good about that choice. I do not miss it even a little bit. <laughs> not at all. Sorry, Downton Abbey fans. I know you still exist. I know that some of our some of our guests uh, are are big Downton Abbey fans. But yeah, no. Um, next up is a show that you actually just reviewed for the AV Club. It's called Gallivant on ABC. Would you like to regale us with your thoughts on Gallivant? Well, we already talked about the the pilot earlier in our week in TV, but I did see the first six episodes, which I reviewed, like you said, over at the AV Club. And uh, we talked about it earlier. The, the The pilot is such a strong entry. At least I really think it's a very well-constructed pilot for the kind of show that this should be. Um, but and, and so I watched the pilot first back in the fall. I got super excited. Then watched the next five and just deflated so much as I watched it because this should be the perfect the perfect length for this kind of a show it's eight half hour episodes so when you take out commercials that's about three hours three hours for a musical that's like what they are right three hour musical maybe you know the more dramatic ones the the less dramatic ones are like two two and a half um so that should be the perfect length. They have a really likable cast. They have Alan Menken. I mean, come on. Dan Fogelman did, created The Neighbors, and they had that fantastic musical episode, one of their best episodes. So I, there was a lot to really like here. But the trouble is what really makes a musical work for me um, is is that moment of transition from speaking to singing. And this is something that was captured so brilliantly in the Madman finale. We talked about it in our best of the year podcast, or at least I did, because I love that so much. But it's the you're singing because there's no other way to convey the emotion that you're feeling. Words don't work. Words don't capture what you're trying to say or how you feel. And so instead you sing. And whether it's a comedy or a drama or a tragedy or a history, it does not matter the genre of the musical that there needs to be a reason that you're singing. Otherwise, going back and forth between singing and speaking can be really uh, inorganic. And so what happens on Gallivant, in the pilot, there's what feel like more organic reasons to start singing. But then as we go along, it's, okay, and time for a song. So they just all stand around singing, not because the emotion warrants it, not because there's some dramatic moment happening or something that's just hilarious. Of the songs that work best, there's a couple, like... We have the jester basically singing for his life. That is way more successful because you get why he's singing because he's trying to save his life um, through this comic song. There are other songs that, that are, again, they're more successful. But too much of the time, it's just, okay, and now we pause the action to sing about nothing for no particular reason. And then we start the action again. And it just makes and, – and if you're going to do that, if you're going to have a more um, episodic kind of adventure, if you're going to go more the Spamalot – root they need to be really funny songs they need to be really memorable and they need to be great music or else it just it's just it fades away it doesn't stick and that's how i feel about much of gallivant i was really disappointed because i think so much like it, it's it could have been so good but the show does not seem to care about being a great musical it cares about being light and funny and 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 hopefully just a kind of entertaining way to spend a half an hour and 
that's for me as a fan of musical theater, as a fan of the genre, as a fan of fantasy. This is trying to go for a Princess Bride kind of feel and Into the Woods kinds of kind of feel, but it never gets the pathos that both of those have. Princess Bride has a lot of pathos to go with its side-splitting humor, to be cliche here for a moment. I love that movie. Um, this doesn't have either. And that's the trouble. It's, it's entertaining, it's diverting, but if you want more than that, I'd, I'd say ratchet down your expectations. What, what, do you, what do you think, Simon? What, how, you know, we talked about the pilot earlier, but do you need a musical? I mean, are you a musicals guy? Do you need a musical to have pathos? Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a musicals guy. I'd say there's a few that I really like. Um, Including? And that, uh, oh, you know, like Sweeney Todd is great. Uh, Hair is great. Les Miserables is great. Uh, like I, I, I like the, what I would consider to be like the top shelf ones. And if they're just under top shelf, I tend to get annoyed. Like I, it needs to be really good for me to really like it. And if it's not really good, I'll just be like, why is this even happening? Uh, so yeah, I I don't think Gallivant was really ever going to be on that level. Fair enough. That is, (laughs) I think that's really, uh, and it, it needs to be good enough to get you to get over the musicals hump. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, and uh, this certainly certainly doesn't. But I do think it's a good fit. Like I say in my review at the AV Club, I do think it's a good fit with Once Upon a Time and the kind of audience they're going for. So I actually hope it does well because this is a this is a a risk for ABC, and I'm glad that they're taking this kind of a risk. I, I wish it, wish it was aspiring for more, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's enough time on Gallivant. Next, because we should also mention that the Good Wife, like we already said, is back. How long Woo! is it back for, Simon? Two weeks. Two whole weeks, and then it's back again, and I want to say March or late February. Yeah, it goes. It's it's then it's back for like another ten. So it's like ten, and then two, and then ten. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ten and two, and th- yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So yeah. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> also coming up uh, this week, we won't we won't have talked about them because of when we record. But Gotham is back on January fifth. Sleepy Hollow is also back on January fifth. Cougar Town is back on TBS for its final season um, on January sixth. I know you haven't watched it recently. Do you have any? I don't remember. How are, how are you with Cougar Town? Oh, I haven't seen it since it moved to TBS. Okay, so I assume you won't be tuning in then. Probably not. Okay. Is, is that something that you'll check out the se- series finale or just kind of wait to see what people say? And if, you know, you can just kind of enjoy other people's enjoyment of it? That's exactly right. What about uh, Agent Carter, which is premiering uh, this Tuesday, January 6th um, on ABC? I'm leery of the fact that there is not a screener up for at least, uh, I'm sure they sent out DVDs to some people, but there isn't a screener up yet. And this premieres in two days based on when we're recording. That seems weird. I'm leery of the, the one of the things that I'm leery about in 2015 is that it's the year of Marvel TV, which oh Jesus Christ, uh, because like on on sound on site uh, the are the film podcast that I'm on, uh, I did a really good job avoiding Marvel on screen, and now they followed me to television. That was clearly <laughs> their nefarious plan, uh, and that starts with Agent Carter, I guess. Uh, on January 6th and then won't let up for the entire year. Uh, and I know that it's silly season with this stuff because as much as I love you, Stephen, tonight, uh, when you're talking about how your Daredevil show is more like The Wire than a superhero show, <laughs> despite, despite Spartacus, I still don't believe you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, well, and okay, uh, if, if he had complete creative control, I would I'd still be very 
suspicious, but I would be more likely to go with him. But the fact that there's no way he can because it's Marvel. It's not like he can just kill off Daredevil if he wants, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like he's going to have Daredevil get addicted to heroin or something and show the gritty underside <laughs> of the superhero world. You know, like, I have trouble believing that as as well. Oh, my God. If he kills Daredevil in episode four and then sticks to whatever his ensemble was, but still calls it Daredevil, <laughs> I will love him forever. And more than I already do. More than you already uh, do. But yeah. anyway, Agent Carter. Uh, Any thoughts on Haley Atwell? Yes. Not really. I mean, she was fun in the first movie. I never saw the second one. Uh, I literally have never seen her in anything else that I can think of. Uh, I'm sure she'll do great. I'm still pretty sure I don't care. See, I'm just excited that there's a female-led like superhero action-y show. They're kind of um, they're trying to sell it as like another kind of alias thing, which is a mistake. I think because uh, yes, I get what you're going for, and I, I have a really fond place in my heart for Alias. But Haley Atwell is not Jennifer Garner, so don't try to like show her in different wigs and stuff and have it have a, a automatic parallel with us because then we're just going to be disappointed when she doesn't look perfect with every color hair and in the best wigs ever, kicking ass and taking names. Because that's just that cannot happen based on the time period of when this is set. There there are limitations to what the character can do. And so I, I I look forward to seeing that explored, but don't try to tell me that this is going to be Alias Mark II. I was going to say, what, you think the Americans, they had crappy wigs in the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait till you yeah. get to the 40s. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I, I, obviously I'm looking more forward to this than you are. We'll talk about it, or at least I will talk about it next week on the podcast. But let's move on. American Horror Story Freak Show's back uh, Wednesday, as is Blackish, and Empire has its series premiere. I've watched the pilot of this. This is airing on Wednesdays on Fox, and uh, this is a, they're calling it a musical series, a musical drama, which is a way of saying there are, uh, there's rap and there's hip hop, like kind of sequences, like there would be in a recording studio or um, it'll kind of cut to, the action will kind of pause for a song. I would connect it more to something like Nashville than I would to like Glee or, or Gallivant as far as musical things go. They are really underplaying that in their ads, which again, I don't get this. You're not going to like get people to tune in and then, you know, by hiding the music, people are going to tune in. And if they don't <laughs> like the music, they're going to turn off. You know, you just say, hey, guys, Taraji P. Henson, watch our show. And they're singing, but you don't care because Taraji P. Henson. Then again, maybe I'm not speaking for everyone. What, what do you think about this? Uh, I would really like for there to be a good uh, rap series or rap-related series. To my recollection, it's never happened. Uh, I don't know. Do you think this will do it, having seen it? <laughs> what I think is interesting about this, um, it, it is very straight up like kind of uh, nighttime soap. I like how quickly they call out King Lear. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be King Lear up in here. I'm like, uh, yeah, basically you are. So I'm glad you at least do a nod to it. I like some of the cast. I don't particularly enjoy Terrence Howard, though he's a very talented actor. But I do really like Taraji P Henson. So I think she's having a lot of fun in this role. It's a very heightened role. Um, I think there's a lot of room for a, a show like this. It's a bit straightforward with its like family power struggle scheming stuff. Um, so it's a bit, you know, predictable, or at least it's a bit expected, but hopefully that's something that can grow. Right now, I'm not going to set aside the time for it. It's not bad or anything. It's just there's it's a limited um, there's a limited amount of time and a lot of TV going on right now. 
uh, if people tell me that it gets particularly strong, I will certainly tune back in. And I like its, um, I like its fore foregrounding of a few uh, different elements, including that looks like there'll be some discussion of uh, one of the characters is is a gay man trying to. Uh, build a rap career, and so I look. For, I think that could be interesting, especially given that, that he's African American. So there's discussion. It looks like there'll be discussion of uh, the African American community's relationship with homosexuality and and some of that stuff. So I think there is some interesting things they could do there, and they have some strong actors. Um, but it didn't really grab me as something completely new or or must watch with its pilot. Yeah, the comparison to Nashville did, didn't exactly have me chopping at the bit. Is it chomping at the bit or champing at it's the bit? It's champing. Never... It's champing at the bit, yes. What, is, what, what does it's, champing it, mean? When we're talking about champing, it means it's time to move on to our next day. Okay, so, sorry. So <laughs> t- tell me about January 8th, Thursdays. Uh, what's, what's starting up? Right, so Archer's back for its sixth season. No longer Archer Vice, just straight up Archer. We don't like um, change. Uh, no, they don't like change. Is this heavily addressed in the premiere? Yeah, uh, there is an ISIS thing in the premiere. Um, we've seen how many? Uh, we've seen, uh, was it six episodes? Yeah, the first the first six. Thank you, FX, for sending screeners. Yes. What did you Woo! think? Um, it feels very much like a return to season four. Like, it it feels like, it, besides some ob- oblique references here and there, it feels very much like season five never happened, uh, which I think is probably smart. Uh, you know, it was, Archer Vice was a fun experiment at first, but I remember so little about that season. Not just because it was a long time ago, but just because the serialization, I, I don't think, really worked for them. It was a noble experiment. Uh, this doesn't return to the glory days, but I think it's got some highlights, and I and I like how much they're exploiting uh, series memory. And uh, I mean, literally, when I when I saw a list of the <laughs> things that were gonna. Sorry, you said literally. Them. I couldn't help it. <laughs> literally, when I saw a list of uh, all the things they were going to be doing this season, so, several of which pop up in these six episodes, I thought, yeah, that's basically everything that I wanted to see happen in a season of Archer based on things that we haven't gotten to see in a while. So well done. I really like there's a Pam centric episode that we get. I think that's a particular standout. There's some some fun stuff with Lana as well. There's like a, a hostage sort of thing that I think is another of their best episodes um, in this six. Um, but like you say, there's no... There, there wasn't any particular episode that I was like, this is all-time best Archer. Just really mm-hmm. solid and reliable. By the way, I'm predicting it now. Kumail Nanjiani for Six Man in 2015. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he yeah. certainly, he, you know, bring Prisma back on Adventure Time with Silicon Valley. He could, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely a contender. Um, next up, also on this Thursday, coming Thursday, is Babylon on Sundance. This is a UK series from the Peep Show guys, and the pilot is directed by Danny Boyle. I believe, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. You've seen at least the first episode. Well, not exactly. I've seen <laughs> I've seen the first regular episode. I haven't seen the weirdly. I haven't seen the pilot, which is directed by Danny Boyle. Uh, and this does come from the Peep Show guys, but it uh, it's not very much like Peep Show. And I'm actually sort of impressed with if if they weren't credited with it, I would not have associated them with it. So I'm I'm quite I'm quite impressed with their uh, with their versatility. Uh, so essentially, it's a series about uh, the uh, police and the media, and uh, and the intersection between them. Uh, especially a, me- a media liaison person played by Britt Marling and her relationship with uh, with the top brass, as well as uh, the sort of more rescue me ish uh, half of the show, which involves uh, the front lines uh, with the uh, with with the grunts. 
so to speak. And uh, I mean, hey, if you're going to do a show about uh, that has a lot to do with police brutality and media spin and that heavily features body body cameras on cops. Hey, that's pretty damn timely. And I think uh, based on on this first episode or second episode that I've seen, uh, it handles it pretty well. It's quite funny at times, uh, but it never loses sight of the stakes uh, for so, for several of these characters. It has James Nesbitt doing the quiet rage thing very, very, very well. Uh, I, it, it's something only the Brits can seem to do properly. Uh, they're using Brit Marling to interesting effect. She's not playing a British person. She's playing American. And so she stands out in this ensemble in a very specific way, in a very deliberate way. Uh, I don't really, I don't traditionally like her as an actress, to be honest. And they're kind of using that, like, th th they're kind of using her in a standoffish way that actually works. So good for them. Uh, I, it doesn't get everything perfectly right, but it's striking a really interesting balance in the, in that, in the episode that I watched. And I'll be curious to see if it can maintain that uh, for a whole season. Yeah. And again, that'll be um, seven episodes because, you know, the UK model, they make the pilot. If it, if people like it, then they make a first season. So that's the, there's the pilot, then the beginning of the first season, which is what you saw, which was six episodes. So I believe Sundance yeah. is just going to air seven episodes like that. Um, also on Thursdays, uh, Elementary is back, Parenthood's back, Portlandia is back for its season five premiere. Do you think you'll watch Portlandia this season? I feel like I owe it to Carrie Brownstein to give it a try again, even though mm -hmm. the same thing happens every year where I chuckle once or twice and I think, yeah, this is a really good version of a show I that isn't for me. Yeah, that sounds about right, because uh, we do enjoy both of those actors, at least I do, uh, so very much. Uh, just, I, keep, I keep trying to convince myself that Portlandia is a show for me when it just it isn't, but I'll probably give it a shot again this year. Uh, this Friday, January 9th, Banshee begins uh, its third season. I've seen the first two for this, and I think it starts the season very well. It picks up some of the threads from last year with the reservation, and there's some more uh, stuff going on with the Amish community as well. So it kind of picks up those two threads in interesting ways and then adds a third faction as well. So the world of Banshee keeps adding another group each season. I think this is actually, I don't, I didn't necessarily like how some of those threads were developed in the second season. It didn't seem, it wasn't as compelling for me, but I think there's a lot of potential here with some of the new characters they introduce. I like that they, when they pick up, a lot is just kind of messed up for several of the characters that a lot of the characters, um, particularly, you know, Anna or, or Carrie is not in a great place. Um, and I'd like that they don't just like fast forward to happy family, happy, shiny families again, and then have the, everything get made, uh, more challenging over the course of the season. So it would be nice if we saw things actually get better over the course of the season for some of the characters. It'd be a nice change of pace. We'll see whether that happens, but I, I do think it comes back strong. Um, there's another, you know, several interesting cinematography and, you know, sort of lyrical kind of sequences. There's a lot of sex, a lot of boobs. There's a few shots where they just literally cut the woman's face out of the picture because her boobs are what matter about her. And that's the kind of thing that they didn't do on Spartacus. And they do it here, and it's really frustrating because I want to like their show, and I want to like the the really empowered and uh, um, active and uh, agent like full of agency female characters that they have. There's a, several of them on the show, but then they do shit like that, and it's really hard for me to support the show. Yeah, I haven't seen Batchy since season one, so I can't speak to what it's uh, what it's gotten up to lately. I've always thought. 
it was a little overrated, to be honest, because uh, it seems like the people who care about it really care about it and are, are huge uh, are huge proponents of it. And I never really got it, but I, I appreciate that it does some things well and other things uh, not so well. Um, let's move on uh, to finish out the week, uh, January 11th. We'll talk about these guys next week as well, but there's a lot of premieres. Simon, what, what's coming back on January 11th? There's a lot. Episodes is back. Uh, I don't care. Uh, Girls is back for season four. I've seen an episode. You've seen an episode. It's a good episode. Um, it's girls is very, girls. <laughs> girls is girls. It's very much a continuation, a direct continuation of last season in every sense. And that's a good thing. Um, the only thing I'll say is that uh, the first appearance of Marnie will probably give Brian Williams a heart attack. And uh, I'm just going to leave that there as a teaser for everyone. Uh, and that's it. I'm expecting the rest of the season to be good. If it's as good as last season, I'll be happy because that was the best season. And people who disagree are incorrect. Uh, anything else? We need to talk a moment about the casting of Shoshana's parents and the the, the reveal that they're both named Mel. Because that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. It's it's fabulous. The the we meet them briefly and it's just it's so perfect for who she is and what we've seen her like her personality of her personality and how she's progressed the last few years that it's great to to see them again. We see Marnie's mom again, which is nice and uh, as well as Hannah's parents and nobody from Jess's life, which again works very well. So, it's a strong uh, premiere. Looking forward to more uh, good, good stuff coming from girls. Uh, what else do we have this coming on on the eleventh? House of Lies is on season four. How is that still on? I think about. I don't know anyone who watches it, uh, and all those people could be doing anything else. Uh, literally, uh, like who? Anyway, I'm not going to dwell on that. Just, just you know, keep that hey, in your mind. Hey, maybe it became awesome after we stopped watching it when it wasn't good in season one. No, it didn't. Anyway, looking <laughs> is back. For its second season. I've seen the first five of this, and they're delightful. I'm so glad to have Looking Back. And we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, and I think you absolutely nailed it. This is a show that is, it captures a really relaxed tone. It's really laid back, but it's never boring. Would you like to expand on that? That was your quote just about, and I think you're totally right. Uh, well, I've only seen the first new episode, and that was my reflection after uh, after seeing it. It was written and directed by Andrew Hay. And, uh, yeah, I think that the, um, if you were just to read a synopsis of the episode, you'd be like, ugh, like they're doing this. But to actually watch it, uh, hey, I hope that's how you pronounce his last name, um, he has a really great, uh, talent for placing you in the moment with those characters and, uh, enabling you to not just to, not just to watch them talk and hang out with them, but to actually, uh, feel what they're feeling. And to get more of an impressionistic sense of what's going on rather than just making it a hangout uh, situation and, like, enjoying the witty dialogue, which still happens. Uh, but there's a there's a, a deeper level going on with the cinematography and uh, and several other elements. I love the I still love the soundtracking on the show. It's so good. Every 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 couple episodes, I think oh, I've got that somewhere and I need to go find it and get it on my iPod. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, but I mean, you you've seen five. Does it feel like it's ta it's taken a step up from last year, or does it feel like more of the good same? Well, see, the thing with looking is when I look back on season one, I tend to just remember how the season ended and how much you know I really enjoyed it. I thought it really came into its own with the addition of Richie and that 
that really helps me like Patrick a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I tend, I have to remind myself that I really struggled with the show in its early episodes. Um, so that being said, I think these first five episodes are really consistent. They have such a strong sense of who these characters are. It's, it's, this is, I think the best word for the show is that it is just confident and very comfortable in its skin of like, this is the show that it is. It's people hanging out. It's, it really captures, um, it has this, again, this ease that a show like girls doesn't have. Girls is a completely different energy to, to looking, which is why I get annoyed when people compare them and say that one is, they're so like each other. Cause looking, it just sits back and lets you come to it. Um, and for characters who are struggling with stuff, it is surprisingly, um, again, confident, but it, it captures that, that feeling of not quite being sure what's going on, but also not being a complete mess either. Um, right. yeah, it is, it, it's, it's, I think it's really solid season. I like some of the new characters they introduce. It's nice to see Scott Bakula back on my TV and, you know, not in CIS and, uh, yeah, I like where they go. They put the characters in interesting positions. I don't want to spoil stuff, basically. I don't know that you really can spoil looking, um, but it's really confident. And kind of like Girls, it picks up where the last season left off in terms of quality and tone. And uh, I really hope more people check it out this year because it was undercovered last year as far as I'm concerned. All right. Uh, next up is Shameless, which is on season five. Another show that a lot of people like that I've just never, ever gotten into for some reason. I've never seen it, actually personally so maybe that's one i don't let me know listeners if i if i need to be watching shameless uh if simon needs to give it another shot uh yeah like i've, I've seen a couple random ones here and there but like i never know what was going on so i never it was never fair uh after that another new series on on hbo to form their indie film block and that's togetherness which comes to us from the duplass brothers uh you've seen a few episodes yes i've seen actually the whole season of this oh. one and there's eight episodes. I, I, you know, I really enjoy the Duplass brothers, their work. The, what I, what I've seen of it, I've seen more of them as actors and as directors. Um, but I really appreciate uh, their, 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 I guess, point of view. That sensibility. I, yeah, their sensibility. Um, it is. We were commenting on this before. It is a very white <laughs> lineup of TV girls to togetherness to to looking. Um, but this, 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 the series is, I think I'll say it's solid. There's some stuff to really like. I'm very glad to see Amanda Peet get to play a character. Um, it's been a while since she got a role that was good enough for her, basically. Um, and then, of course, I did really like her on her short-lived comedy that didn't get picked up, unfortunately. Um, so there's, you know, so it's nice to see that. Unfortunately, while I enjoyed the time I spent with the characters, there were a number of developments that happened over the course of the season that just seemed inevitable from episode three or four. And so I kept waiting to be uh, surprised by maybe how we got there or, or, or just to have more of a connection with the characters so that when certain things happened, I was particularly elated or I was particularly gutted. Um, and I think, it just it feels like a freshman show that's still kind of figuring out its strengths. So we got spoiled last year because so many freshman shows came out and were just awesome right off the bat. And with this one, it's it's I'm not I wouldn't say it's bad. I you know I'd say especially fans of of this cast. You know it's nice to see Melanie Linsky on my TV every week. It's really nice to see Melanie Linsky on my TV every week. Um, should definitely tune in, give it a shot if you like the Duplass Brothers, um, but is I wouldn't say it's essential viewing. 
All right. Uh, next up on Tuesday, January 13th, uh, Face Off is back for its season eight premiere. People All love right. Face Off, man. I feel like I need to give it a shot because I, I've i seen like one episode here or there, but I feel like I would probably love it if I actually watched it regularly. Do you have any interest in makeup competitions? Uh, not really, but more power to y'all. Uh, after that, it's the season three premiere on Comedy Central of Crawl Show, which is one of the ones that I really need to get into this year. I feel like it's the final season. I, I may be making that up. Uh, you're nodding. So yes. So I guess it's my last chance. Uh, I don't know why I haven't been watching it, uh, but I will. Uh, and Parks and Rec is back for its final season premiere. It is apparently burning off two episodes a week. So it's going to be over in like less than two months. Tears. Which is ridiculous. Tears, but also... Well, okay, yeah. It, it had a long and happy life. Don't get me wrong. but Possibly too long. As I was, as I was editing together um, the, the best of the, yeah, best of, uh, the, the smorgasbordgy uh, and putting it in the original music, I ended with uh, 5,000 Candles in the Wind. And I was just like, you know what? I already know that the, the Parks and Rec finale is going to destroy me. It's going to end with, like, Leslie Nope, like, it's been such a great adventure or something like that. And it's just kind of smiling, and I'm just going to have all of the tears. I already know this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the opportunity for, like, serious emotional engagement on my part passed a couple seasons ago. Mm -hmm. But more power to everyone who still cares. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. But right. that, that's how I felt about The Office. But The Office finale, like, really captured that tone so well. And I feel like Parks and Rec... I, I'm expecting, I'll be very disappointed if they don't deliver a really touching finale. Like, how could they not with that cast? Yeah, I feel, but I feel like they haven't done, like, a really emotionally devastating episode since uh, Andy's wedding. And that okay. was a long time ago. Okay. I, I mean, I'm more of a sucker for this stuff than you are, definitely. So that could be it as yes. well. Uh, which is weird, because I'm a sucker for a lot of stuff. Uh, Wednesday, January 14th, Broad City is back. Yeah. We haven't seen any, but we would very much like to, Comedy Central. Yeah. If you're listening. <laughs> uh, one thing we have seen, actually, there's a couple things we've seen coming up right now, uh, both on FXX. Uh, it's Always Sunny. It's finally, finally back for season 10. Season 10, people. That's ridiculous. And it's still good. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, we know this because FXX sent us the entire season. I love you. Love you, <laughs> FXX. I haven't watched the entire season yet. I think I've watched the first, I want to say six. Um, oh, yeah. I've watched the whole season. You watched the whole thing? The whole thing, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can tell you right now that number four is one for the ages. Uh, that's Charlie work. And I don't want to say anything about it. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's special. I don't, I, out of what I've seen, there's nothing else on that level, but there's nothing bad. There, there will be a few that people will immediately uh, cotton to, immediately connect to. I would imagine there's a... The gang basically goes on Family Feud for one of the episodes, uh, which I think people will really enjoy that one. Though, there's, I mean, this is a this is a show in season ten that can still have a series best episode. That's that's crazy. Charlie Work is one of I, I think that's all time best for the show. Not necessarily their number one, but top five, top ten, definitely in contention. It's season ten, guys. That's insane. And the average this year is much because they had. You know, sort of a down year or two, and then they had the Fat Mac season that kicked it way back up into awesomeness. And then last year, the last season nine was pretty good as well. This I would say is consistent with that, where there the average episode is really funny. I was laughing. It has memorable moments. It uses the cast well, 
and then has one or two really good episodes. I'm just going to say this because you and I will get to enjoy it and everyone else will get to enjoy it in about five weeks. But there's a specific gag in Charlie work involving Frank and a smoke machine and black paint. That is one of the most brilliant sight and oral gags in ever. years. Possibly so ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. I'm, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Yeah. I will say this, though. I was dis- I was underwhelmed with the uh, season finale. So I just, Simon, lower your expectations a little bit because the okay. premise is really good. Um, but I thought, like, there's a distracting guest star who is not, like, hardly. It's like, I don't know why he's there other than. He, be, he must be buddies with those guys now, so they're like, hey, come be on our show. We're not going to actually give you a character, but, you know, instead of using an extra, we could use you. And so that's kind of distracting for me, and I feel like they don't quite take full advantage of the premise. But um, so, so yeah, you know, like, underwhelmed by the, the finale, but I like the premiere a lot, and episode four, like we say, is fabulous. So well done, Always, easy, always Sunny, season 10. Very glad to have you back in my life. Uh, I was also pleasantly surprised by Man Seeking Woman, which is uh, the comedy the new show that they have coming up immediately after Always Sunny. I've seen the first um, three. Well, I've seen the first two and then what should be the third, but doesn't have an air date yet. Um, have you seen the first two for this? I've seen the first two. Uh, the premise is essentially Jay Baruchel uh, plays a guy who is uh, recently become single for the first time in a long time and isn't isn't adjusting very well to the you say become single he gets dumped oh yeah sorry sorry he gets dumped uh doesn't adjust well has to get back on the dating scene and uh that sounds like a really rote premise but uh what makes this different is that there are huge doses of highly surreal and heightened humor and we're not talking like himium heightened we're talking like like the key art is him going on a date with a literal troll like that's right. the poster they're using to sell the show. <laughs> right, and that is what happens. And uh, there's there's a whole sequence in the second episode involve, involving him having to send a text to a girl, and it ends with him in a uh, in a control room, not unlike Doctor Strangelove, with yeah, with uh, with a room full of generals trying to figure out what he should be doing. That's the sort of show we're talking about here, and I feel like that I that's got so much potential, and there are some really great moments in those two episodes. There are some other moments that really are like fall on your face, do not work. Uh, and I think the main problem for me so far is that the characters aren't clicking yet. They're just, they're, they're very, the characters are, are defined very much by their role on the show, including Baruchel. And mm-hmm. I feel like they, they need to flesh him out beyond, I am lonely and need a girlfriend. Um, yeah. Like, like it would be really helpful if he had a character. Well, there are a couple little details that I like. For example, like this, his obsession, or just, it's not obsession, but it, just, it gets mentioned several times. The fact that he was watching Carnival with his girl girlfriend and they never finished it. And so now will he ever get to watch the end of Carnival? Like, and the the choice of Carnival for that is like perfect and, and so specific. It really works. That actually comes back in the third episode again in a, in a fun way. But so like touches like that would go a long way towards making him feel like a more distinct figure instead of just, you know, insert self here, you know, person who's been dumped. Uh, I, definitely the same is true of the the best friend character played by Eric Andre, the sister uh, and the ex-girlfriend, too. But yeah, like those dosha, doses of I feel like I can say magical realism, right? That's magical realism. Uh, I don't I feel like that's just out and out surrealism. I'm okay. not because I, I, I feel like magic realism is like a step beyond reality. This is like a step into fantasy. 
Okay. It's like a whole other... I, I may not be, be totally clear on the distinction, but it feels like too much for, for magic realism. But that stuff works really, really well and is so... Rela- like, the text message Dr. Strangelove sequence is incredibly relatable. You've had that exact conversation with yourself, right? And others, yes. Yeah, definitely. It's so so. In, in there's more of that in the third episode as well. There's this courtroom sequence where he goes to is he in breach of court, uh, boyfriend etiquette in according to the court? So he has to go to boyfriend court. Um, in a in recurring sequence, so like there's some really fun stuff like that, and I have a feeling that hopefully that will over the course of the season that'll grow and they'll you know steer into the skid and really embrace that part of the show because that's the part of the show that makes it stand out and is a lot of fun. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to say at first, I thought it was a waste of Eric Andre doing the the boorish friend character, but he really sold me in his speech in the second episode, uh, which was great. And also, last, last thing, I want to give them credit for the atypical casting of the female characters Mm -hmm. who are not like standard TV hot. That was nice to see. Well, yeah, the guys look like guys and the girls look like girls and they look like people. And instead of, yeah. I I think that's an excellent point. Um, yeah. Also, that same day, because it's not canceled yet, guys, Stalker is back. Uh, Stalker's back, whatever. Uh, Workaholics is back for its fifth season. Maybe we'll actually give it a crack this time. Maybe. Um, Friday, January 16th, we have 12 Monkeys, which is the adaptation of the film that's airing on Sci-Fi Channel. I don't know much about it. I don't even know the episode order. I want to guess it's 13, because that's sort of what Sci-Fi has been doing. Um, but needless to say, I haven't seen any of it. I'm not particularly interested, because I do have a soft spot in my heart for the for the movie. So I don't know that I need an adaptation. How do you feel about this? You have a soft spot for the movie, because the movie is incredible. Um <laughs> No, seriously, it's a great, great movie. It's like the second best Terry. It's probably the best Terry Gilliam film, but it's my second favorite. Uh, great movie. I've seen the trailer for the series. It looks lame, and not just because I like the series, uh, the film. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, you know, we've been wrong before. So, yeah. uh, Constantine is back after its mid-season break. Cool. Uh, the Fall is back for its second season on Netflix. That drops on Friday, January sixteenth as well. Uh, I've seen the first long, long, long episode. Um, it's almost exactly on par with season one. It doesn't feel like they've missed a step at all. And that means it's good. I mean, we liked it better than Broadchurch, but I'm not sure that I need the fall right now in my life. Uh, we'll see how I feel when it actually drops. Yeah. We also have the return of Grimm that same night and Helix for season two on Sci-Fi Channel. I did not stick with Helix in season one. I won't be really tuning into season two, but I know there are some fans of it out there. The next Monday, Monday, January 19th, Jane the Virgin is back. Yay! Ah, yeah. Uh, After that, The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore has its premiere. Of course, uh, taking the Colbert slot. That's 1130 on Comedy Central. Stoked for this. Very excited. Yeah. Yep. Um, Then, uh, also that week, we have the return of The Flash. We have uh, Supernatural, both on the 20th, and as, as well as the return of Justified. We're super excited. For the excited. final season. Final season. We've seen the first three. Yes. Uh, I feel better after the first three than I did after, I think it was the first two we got last last season. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those, it's, it's funny, because after those episodes last season, I was like, I don't know. And you were like, no, it's still pretty good. And I was like, I don't know. And then it didn't turn out so great. Um, this season, I, it, it doesn't feel like it's up to its glory days yet. But, it, but also, even in its glory days, the season started slow. Uh, so we'll see. I do, I do in general like the use of the new guest stars, uh, who will probably recur for at least most of the season. Uh, that includes Garrett Dillahunt and Sam Elliott. Spoiler alert, guys. Sam Elliott does not have a mustache and it's actually really cool. 
Yeah, go like go in knowing that. Otherwise, it will be super weird when you see him without. It's going to be like distracting and like, ah, you're not Sam Elliott. It makes you realize how his voice is at least as iconic as his mustache because it's just it takes up everything. But yeah. anyway, also uh, Mary Steenburgen is back. I feel like people are mentioning uh, the guys, but they aren't mentioning that Mary Steenburgen is back and fabulous just as much uh, as ever. She's also in a memorable role in Togetherness this year. So maybe she's got another, you know, maybe she might buy for sixth man next year. We'll see. Or this year. Perhaps. What else do we want to say? I, I'm not very I'm not inter- like I said this last year. I'm not interested in this Boyd versus Raylan kind of thread that they're going for. Uh, I've never thought that that was the most interesting part of the show, at least past the first season. How do you feel about that threat? Are you interested in Raylan v. Boyd or vice versa? I'm mostly interested because uh, this is a show that's so well-versed in cliches and knowing how to subvert them. And and in these first few episodes, it's not really a spoiler, but uh, Raylan has a conversation with Art about, you know, why don't I just call him out and shoot him. Like, why don't I just do that? Why is this not the thing that I'm doing? And, uh, cause it's not like Raylan's never done it before. And, uh, it has me curious as to how they're going to resolve things ultimately. Like what is going to be an ending worthy of those characters? And if, cause I kind of think they, they have it in them to pull it off, but I don't know what it looks like. So that is interesting to me. There's a lot of uh, awareness that this is the final season. There are several distinct shout-outs to the pilot and and how far they've come since then. I think that conversation is a distinct one. I mean, the show started with Raylan just shooting, a straight-up shooting a dude in Miami. Um, so the, there's there's very much an awareness of, of the end is coming and uh, and people, characters looking at their lives and saying, what have we really gotten from having this be our home? Um, so I'm not... Uh, as wary as I was, like you said, but I'm also not, uh, uh, haven't been bowled over by these first three either. So I'm hoping that it'll build up steam, like you said. Yes. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, January 21st, Arrow is back, which some of you will be very excited about. Uh, The 100 is back, which some of you will be very excited about, and I should be. Are you going to jump in? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. It feels weird to jump in in the middle of the season uh, on a show that okay. I never watched any of, but... Uh, I might. I might just do that. I kind of want to take the plunge and just see what happens, you know? I don't have time yeah. to catch up on it. Yeah. Uh, next up is a show that you've seen some of, and that's Backstrom on Fox. Yeah, it's not good, guys. It's really not good. I like, If they are going for comedy, like this is a comedy, they need to change how they are advertising the show, and they need to... The, the pilot does not make that clear. Because it feels like Rain Wilson is in just a really long Adult Swim sketch or uh, like parody, like Funny or Die kind of parody of these kinds of shows. And when I say these kinds of shows, I mean House or uh, Rake. Lie to me. Or, yeah, any of these shows, The Mentalist. I mean, it's based on a series of novels, uh, which I want to say are, I'm just going to say Northern European, because Scandinavian, Swedish somewhere there and i apologize for not knowing guys for, uh, fans of the books um, but, sorry that whole part of the world <laughs> no sorry fans of the books for for my not knowing the character's name last name is backstrom hence the title the character in the book's name is also backstrom um but yeah there's like his thing is that he says i am blah 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 and like he thinks through their 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 thought process based on what he but he just keeps 
see like having met somebody or seen them for 10 seconds and then saying i am you this is what i think this is what and it's a lot of people talking and making wild leaps of logic that are completely unearned or deserved and then being right um and so it's just sort of obnoxious like if they recast the female lead the partner with maria thayer cut this down to I don't, keep most of the rest of the cast the same and then cut this down from an hour-long show to like a 20-minute show it would be hilarious and great but instead it's just this very self-serious um with trying to be funny but not really capturing the right tone procedural for fox at least based on one episode they have four available and i just i barely made it through one um, so it could be that there's an element to the tone I am missing, but this really heightens for me the importance of casting because Rain Wilson is great. I have a lot of really, uh, I have a strong affinity for him and there's no reason that he couldn't be good, but because he's Rain Wilson, his scenes come off feeling an extra level of heightened and like, he feels like Dwight playing a character. This performance does. And, uh, if, if it was a different actor, maybe it would work better. But in, Rain Wilson is so inherently funny for me that I have a hard time taking when he's saying these ridiculous lines of dialogue that they've given him. I can't see him as doing anything other than a, clearly he's satirizing this terrible script, right? He has to be. And so that's I I really did not think this was a good show. Uh, really? Because it sounds like you're hedging your bets a little bit. Uh, anyway, next up on Wednesday, January 28th, it's the season three premiere of my number one show. And I think you're number three. Four. Number two, four, whatever. We had two, we had two and three the same. Right. So, yeah, uh, my number four. Of last year, and that's The Americans. Uh, so lots of people calling each other by both names. It's back earlier this year, which I hope means that they're just so confident that they were just screaming out of the gate last season and they're ready to up their game even more. That's what I always hope that means, although it's really true. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's The yeah. Americans. What do you want? It's the Americans. Come on. We, have, we haven't seen any yet, but we hope to soon. Um Next day, How to Get Away with Murder is back. Still don't care. Sorry, Shonda Rhimes. Uh, and then <laughs> 10 p.m. on January 29th, Parenthood has its series finale. Finally gets taken to the back of the barn. See, that's... That, I, it's going to be a good episode. It's going to be a moving episode. There's going to be some soundtrack choices we don't like, but we're going to get to see Mae Whitman Cryface. No matter if it's happy or sad, We there will be good stuff. We will like this finale. I'm calling it right now. Probably. Uh, all right, fair enough. Sunday, the Super Bowl. You'll probably watch that. I don't care. Uh, February, we're going to do a uh, lightning round for February. Um, the Super Bowl is on February 1st, like you say. I will, I'm more likely to watch it, though, honestly, I'll probably be watching other things instead. Um, Being Mary Jane is back for season two on February 3rd, which is the Tuesday. It's a show on BET. I'm actually kind of in interested in this show. I've heard good things. Um, so, Listeners, let me know if I should tune in for this. Then Wednesday, Off the Boat on February 4th. I've seen the first three of this. This is a comedy based on um, the writing of Eddie Wong, who is a, a chef and restaurateur. It's about a family of Taiwanese descent who moves away from their like family and where they're they're living and working in D.C. to down to Florida, um, and it talks about you know anytime you move to a new place, you're fresh off the boat, and so it there's some level of um, kind of disappointing uh, stereotypes, stereotyping, and I don't know if it's if it's offensive. You know, I was like, I feel like that might be offensive. There's some some humor like that, but um, on the whole, it's really likable. Randall Park and Constance Wu are great as the parents and the kid who's the central Eddie. It's set in the 90s, I should mention. And it really takes advantage of 
uh, really highlights the 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 connection that I've been told is a strong thing with within the Asian American community with hip hop and and nineties uh, kind of gangster rap culture. So there, there, there's a fun element there. But I really the reason to watch for me is Randall Park and Constance Wu, who are really fun in, in this role in these roles. Um, then we have Allegiance Spy Drama. We talked about this in the fall. It sounds terrible. That's the one where the parents are working for the Russians and the, the kid find, who works for the CIA finds out that his parents or her parents are actually Russian spies. And who, where does their real allegiance lie with their family or their government? Yeah, NBC, you do not want to be doing a show about Russian spies right now. Yeah, certainly while The Americans is still airing. Um, next up, we have Better Call Saul. What do you think about that? February 8th, it's going to be Sunday night, Monday night, two-day premiere, and then it's going to air on Mondays. Ah, oh, man. Uh, mostly what I think about this, I'm, I, A, I'm withholding judgment, and B, uh, holy fuck, does AMC need this to be good and popular. <laughs> the only thing I know about it, other than I'm going to check it out, uh, because obviously, why wouldn't you, is that Saul isn't Saul. He goes by, like, Jimmy in this show, which I think is very interesting. Like, the, when you look at the pictures on AMC's website, it's like, Bob Odenkirk, Jimmy something. And it's like, oh, huh. So that's all I know about Better Call Saul, other than that I'm going to tune in. Yeah, it was never made clear to me until like a few days ago that Peter Gould, who's the showrunner and creator, also is the creator of Saul. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of interesting. That I, I wonder if that's a first, but anyway. Uh, also premiering or returning that night, last week tonight, I did not expect to have it back in February. I'm super stoked, guys. Uh, yes, highly stoked. Uh, highly stoked about that. The Walking Dead is back again because it never leaves for very long. And, and But I'm glad that Better Call Saul is getting the Walking Dead boost, so hopefully if the show's good, that'll help it. Um, February uh, 12th, we have The Slap, which is a miniseries on NBC. <laughs> so, yeah, for our listeners' benefit, Simon is bitch-slapping the crap out of my Skype uh, connection here. Uh, what is this show? What What is this miniseries? I had never heard of it, uh, but apparently you have. Oh, my God. Okay, so it's called The Slap, it's a mini-series event on NBC, which means a series they don't think is going to do well. Okay, seriously, guys, this is a drama on NBC called The Slap with Peter Sarsgaard, Melissa George, Danny Newton, Zachary Quinto, Brian Cox, and Uma Thurman. What? <laughs> and it's about... Yes, I know! <laughs> and it's called The Slap, and it's a drama, and I have to keep repeating those things because it's called The Slap, and it's a drama... And it's about um, a kid who gets slapped by by an adult, and but it's not his kid, and that that kid's parents cause a, obviously get upset, and it's things that recur after that. Like that's actually an interesting premise. Why the fuck would you call it the slap? It sounds like a reality show for toddlers. You know, I'm gonna need to immediately like I I need to immediately go pause our recording so I can listen to you just got slapped from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be the, like, how could that not be the theme song, right? I, I don't know. Just NBC, how can you not do this part right? <laughs> well, the week later, uh, the week after, on February 19th, also Thursday, we have the premiere of The Odd Couple remake on CBS. And talking about casts, and as we said last in our, in our smorgasbord, we've learned that a strong cast means nothing. Uh, but... If in case you were vaguely curious in an Odd Couple remake, we have Matthew Perry as Oscar, Thomas Lennon, who we love, as Felix, Lindsay Sloan as Emily, Wendell Pierce as Teddy, and Yvette Nicole Brown as Danny. 
uh, who is the, uh, the the assistant for Oscar. We have recurring Lauren Graham as as Matthew Perry's ex-wife, Leslie Bibb as Emily's sister, that's Lindsay Sloan's character, Jeff Stoltz uh, as Murph, and Regis Philbin uh, as a subway flasher. So, I mean, that's a cast full of people that we love and Regis Philbin. So, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, if a cast I mean... could make a show good, this would be it. But, of course, a cast does not make a show good. No, it does not, especially when it's a remake. Uh, hey, guess what's going to be off the air soon? It's Two and a Half Men. I'm very excited that this series finale is coming in February. Uh, other people will be very excited The Vikings is starting up season three um, and in February, uh, February 19th. We're going to try to have coverage of that o- over at Send on Site this year. We're looking for a viewer. I think we have somebody lined up, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to have reviews for you guys, even if we don't cover it on the podcast. Will you tune in? Yeah, I've watched a bunch of Vikings. I don't like it. Sorry. I cried. Yeah. It just... If for re- for reasons why, uh, consult the podcast. It's yeah. in there somewhere. Okay. Um, the Wednesday after February 25th, we have The Amazing Race tw- uh, Season 26 premiere. This is the terrible, terrible season premise of couples are dating. It's, it's all couples. And some of them have are long-term couples, and some of them are going on a blind date of The Amazing Race. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Sounds- if anything could get me to stop watching, that's it. Uh, wow. First of all, season 20. Oh, right. Because they do multiple seasons a year. I was like, wait yes. a second. Yes. That is <laughs> that how. That is right. how that is a thing. Exactly. <laughs> right. uh, February 27th, we have House of Cards season three being released on Netflix. So that I'm sure will be a lot of people staying up all night to watch that. Um, I don't think I'm going to this year unless I hear really good things from people that I really trust. Like, I have to yeah. really trust them for me to tune in for more of that. Are you interested in Battle Creek at all, uh, which is starting debuting on March 1st or premiering, I should say, on CBS? This is the show that Vince Gilligan created back like in the 90s and got picked up after the fact because, you know, Breaking Bad. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a great reason to make a show. <laughs> and the premise and stills and everything that I've seen of it look really lame. So, no, I don't have any interest. I mean, I, 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 everyone who's seen it says it's okay, and no one seems very enthused about it. So, yeah, that's not a great thing to hear about. Um, we have Last Man on Earth, a uh, comedy premiere on, on Fox at 9 p.m. that same night, uh, the March 1st. Uh, I actually don't know much about this. Uh, are you familiar with this series? I want to say this is, um, this is Will Forte? Yes. Do you know anything about it? Uh, it's about the last man on Earth. I don't know. All the stills just have Will Forte, so I think he really is the last man on Earth. He's got a bit of a, he's got a hell of a beard that he's rocking there. Um, oh, it's set in the year 2022, and he's searching. Will Forte is searching the entire United States for any signs of living people after something happens. And there are other cast members, so I'm guessing flashbacks. Yeah, still, that's it's a great premise. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But January Jones and Kristen Schaal, one of those I'm way more excited about than the other, uh, as well as Mel Rodriguez and Cleopatra Coleman. So there's some interesting people. Uh, you know, Mel Rodriguez, we really enjoyed, or at least I really enjoyed on Enlisted last year. So it's nice to see him getting some work. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think I'm vaguely in- intrigued by, by this one. We also have Secrets and Lies. Secrets! Secrets! This isn't related to the Mike Lee film, is it? That doesn't seem right. No, no. This is on ABC, and we actually talked about it in our fall preview, so I'm going to... Because we were talking about how it was coming in mid-season, so I feel like we already covered that. The following has a season three, guys. That's March 2nd. And if you're watching the following, you're bad. 
you, you are should, a bad human. You, you should know bad. better. And if you're if you're hate watching it or you're watching it but you're aware that it's actually destructive, you know, then that's that's okay. Just don't think I hope you don't think it's a good show at this point. <sighs> that makes me think of that conversation from um that Mitchell and Webb look about the difference between ironic viewers and non-ironic viewers. Yeah. There is none. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, uh, speaking exactly of... exactly the same. We have on March 3rd, Hell's Kitchen returning for season 14, people. Season 14. Um, Jesus. More interesting to me is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming back, which will mean Agent Carter's ending the week before. Broadchurch season 2 is premiering on BBC America on March 4th. I haven't heard anything about that, actually. Did Has it aired in the UK yet? Do you know? Uh, I don't think so, but I also don't know anyone there, so I couldn't say for sure. English listeners, you know, let us know. Write in and let us know. I know we have a few of you out there. Uh, CSI Cyber, oh God, Cyber. That's, that's really a thing, is uh, premiering on March 4th. Then that week, um, on uh, Thursday, March 5th, we have American Crime and Dig, which is the new series from uh, Tim Kring that's going to be on USA. That's a mystery. American Crime is a crime drama on ABC. We already talked about that in our fall preview. Then uh, March 9th, we have The Late Late Show with James Corden beginning. Um, so he's he's taking over the um, Craig Ferguson slot. March 17th, One Big Happy, which is a sitcom uh, that's premiering on NBC at 10 p.m. And then we have the Glee series finale, March 20th. Uh, do you think we'll get any, any retrospectives, any fond farewells to Glee, or are people pretty much over it? Uh, as long as they don't do a Finn hologram, they'll be fine. They might. Um, they might. March 25th, we have Big Time in Hollywood, Florida, uh, which is going to be a new series for Comedy Central. Given their track record, I'm interested in this, but I don't actually know anything about it. Do you? Are you familiar with this show? No. I mean, I've heard of it because I've been paying attention to Comedy Central and when they, whenever they do new series now because that's now a big thing, uh, thanks to several shows that we love. But I know next to nothing about it, no. Yeah, it has, uh, well, I mean, it, it's got uh, some uh, many actors I'm not familiar with, but it does have Stephen Tobolowsky, who I enjoy. There's people to like here, and I, I know almost nothing about it, but, you know, we'll see what happens when it when we get a little closer. Um, Call the Midwife is back for season four um, on March 29th. March 31st, we have The Dove Keepers. I know nothing about this. It's a miniseries on CBS. I feel like, though, it's got to be, like, the latest Tom Selleck kind of Western TV movie for them. Just based know. on I'm, the title. I'm just picturing Ghost Dog with doves, to be honest. We have uh, Weird Loners on Fox on the 31st as well. Weird Loners stars Becky Newton, who uh, I've enjoyed on, uh, um, of course, Ugly Betty and Zachary Knighton from um, Happy Endings, as, as well as some other people. And it's only six ep episodes, which that is not a good sign um, when networks put on a show that has been ordered for six episodes, in, at least in, in the United States. Because that basically just means that they are assuming it's not going to do anything and they're just kind of burning it off. I don't know anything about it other than the fact that it has it's executive produced by one of the co-creators of King of Queens. Um, but uh, I like Becky Newton. I like Zachary Knighton. I don't know if that's enough to get me to tune in, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, also that night we have Younger which is uh, the new dramedy on TV land starring Sutton Foster, which we love Sutton Foster. But... Premise sounds awful. Yeah, totally. We should establish now that 2015 is already an, an awful, awful low benchmark year for new TV series titling. Yeah, these are not these are not good titles, people. Not it, not at all. All right. Uh, sometime in March on Netflix, we're getting the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is the new sitcom from Tina Fey starring... Uh, Ellie Kemper, NBC passed on it, so now Netflix has it. 
uh, everybody wins, I guess. Uh, also, there's Bloodline, a new drama from the creators of uh, Damages with uh, an amazing cast, including Kyle Chandler and other people I'm forgetting about. Uh, it sounds really kind of boring, though, to be honest. It's, it's yet another family drama with secrets. And you know how over those things we are. And I, I need that to be good. And I feel like it won't be. And I'm sad. Yeah, I would really love to see Kyle Chandler in another really great role. I don't know when that's going to happen. Fingers crossed that it is about Bloodline. In April, uh, on the 4th, we had the return of Outlander, which is going to be doing its next eight episodes. Then on the 5th, on April 5th, we have AD, which is a miniseries uh, from NBC based on its title. I feel like that's either a religious thing or, yeah, because that's on Easter. April 5th is Easter this year. Um, We have... Uh, Odyssey, which is an action drama on NBC as well, so I'm guessing the one is going to follow the other, as well as um, Wolf Hall. It's got Damian Lewis. It's based on the great uh, books by Hilary Mantel. Uh, it should be, ep- and I like that it's only six episodes, so they they could really draw that out, and they're not doing it. They're sticking. To- I assume they're they're mostly basing it off the stage version and sort of keeping to to a relatively condensed size. Uh, so it, it it won't be boring. Let's just say that I I will be very surprised if it's boring. Um, Orphan Black comes back on April 18th for its third season. Wayward Pines premieres on Fox on May 14th. That is the new show mystery sort of series from uh, Shyamalan. <laughs> and lastly, in in May, doesn't have a date yet, uh, but Grace and Frankie is premiering or being released by Netflix. What is this series? Uh, this is a series about uh, two ri- apparently rivals, rival women. I don't know what you need I'm gonna to do to be rival. I'm going to assume frenemies. It feels like... Frenemies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whose respective husbands uh, run off with each other. The It's of interest because uh, the two women are played by Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, and their respective husbands are played by Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston. That's a show. That's a show right there. That is a show, definitely. So we don't know much more about it than that, but that'll be coming in May. So of all of these shows, which are the like the few, besides obviously The Americans and Justified, that you are most excited about? Oh, God. I mean, the new ones are such a crapshoot. I mean, I'm definitely intrigued by Last Man on Earth, if only because it's, I mean, I I love Will Forte, and it's a ballsy premise. Uh, I'm definitely also intrigued by Better Call Saul. I'm not as immediately trepidatious of the whole enterprise as a lot of other people are, mostly because I'm fairly certain they're going to be going for something not very Breaking Bad-like. That would be great, Mm -hmm. Uh, despite the presence of Jonathan Banks, which it does worry me. Um, beyond that, like, it's such, there's, there's so little to go on with so many of them that it's really hard to say. Yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, for most of these new shows, I've seen at least something. Um, so it's hard for, you know, for me to, to know, but I mean, like the ones that I haven't seen anything about, about, I'm less actually curious in. So like, I don't, I'm not really that curious about 12 Monkeys. I'm not, not that curious about Allegiance or the slap, you know, any of the things that NBC's throwing at us you know what i'll say is it would be wonderful if the odd couple were good i like yeah it would i would love because that's a, that's an easy premise it's you know happened a million times they've made that story that between the, the play and the different film versions and tv versions there's a million versions of the odd couple it can work you just need the writing because clear the cast is fantastic so there's no reason that shouldn't work if they have the writing for it so that's what i guess i'll i'll keep my fingers crossed wouldn't it be nice if the Odd Couple remake worked? That would be nice. 
So that wraps up our, our mid-season, our 2015 mid-season preview. Hopefully there's some interesting information for you guys there. A lot of these series we'll be uh, touching on as the, the week before they air or uh, we'll review the pilots after they do air for those that we haven't already given our thoughts on. Uh, but for now, I think that hopefully is a, is a primer for y'all. See, 2015 is not as scary as we thought it would be. No, at least not the first five months. Let's Let's wait and see how the summer is. Uh, oh, wait a second. Does Bosch happen in this period? Or is that happening later? I don't believe it has a premiere month yet. As we can see, the Netflix shows don't have a premiere date, most of them. Um, this so is I... what I'm afraid of, is the stuff that we haven't heard about. It's like, oh, yeah, this is coming in two weeks. And they just uh-huh. announce it then. Like, ah. Oh. Just go. Like, you may note, we don't have a premiere date for Mad Men on here, because we don't know what is premiering yet. Uh, so there there are other shows that we're very excited about that we don't have a premiere date for, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I will very easily, it's very possible I would be singing a different tune by the time we get to like the third week of February when I'm dying. But for now, if you show notes, you can find a post-up for this episode at soundoutside.org where you can let us know what you thought of the week's TV and and uh, what, what you're watching and what you're looking forward to this year. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find us in iTunes. Uh, where we have an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered th- feed. Again, thank you so much for the review this past uh, over the Christmas break. We also are on Facebook where you can like us to follow the, the goings on at Soundside TV. And of course, we're both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Simon. You are at Sucker Howell. And what is our question of the week? Uh, I, I guess the obvious one would be does any of this sound tempting to you? I mean, of the new stuff. Obviously, not of the returning stuff. That should be obvious, but really, d- does. Are you just dying to see the slap or any of the shows with secrets? <laughs> secrets. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that is going <laughs> to. It's just because you think we do all year, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. is. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Just just apologizing for that right now. But you'll, you'll have to let us know what, what, uh, what you're looking forward to and how much you're looking forward to the year of secrets. <laughs> so so <laughs> thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Thank you.